And the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. Every moment, every rejection, every disappointment has led us to this moment. Nominated for 11 That's not the exact quote. <laughs> But we did it. <laughs> uh, we're the movie did it, I should say. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Best picture. It happens. I mean, it's obviously not surprising that it happened, but I mean, it's just the fact that it's surprising to some people, like six months ago. But 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 the PGA, the, the preferential ballot, they're gonna favor Top Gun. But DGA loves Spielberg. But but Banshees could win SAG. But, but I don't know about you guys, but I still don't know if it's going to win Best Picture. I still I, I still haven't seen enough. They missed the visual that... effects shortlist, man. Come I mean, on, yeah, guys. I know. It, it didn't get that sound nomination. I mean, oof. Like, and those like, older I know voters, it already man. already won seven Oscars. And those hot dog fingers. And hot dog fingers. Yeah, it already won seven Oscars. But do we really know if the older Academy likes this movie? Do we really know? I don't know. I just can't see it winning. It's, yeah. Anyway, 2023 Oscars recap. It's finally happening. Oh, my Lord. I'm still on a high from this movie actually doing what uh, kind of defying the odds from the first, uh, I don't know, half of this year or whatever. And um, even if it was expected by the end, it's still kind of insane that it actually managed to pull it off. So anyway, um, welcome back to the show. I'm George, as usual, and I am joined once again by Tristan. Hello. And Sam. Hello. And Matt. That's me. And uh, yeah, we're just... I mean, I had to invite on this group. Why? Because Tristan and Matt have been basically saying pretty much all year, everything ever is going to win Best Picture. I tweeted about it in May, so I get credit for that too. And Sam, yeah, Sam has I also been like saying all... that pretty much the whole time. Yeah. I, all yeah, four I, of I us, think... I feel like, have been on it. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I was, did. I was on the nomination train the whole time. I was, never, I, I, I didn't know if it would win. Yeah, I, I think just, at I, I least never didn't like three of us win. went all in on the win like May then. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no movie has gotten this much support since Parasite, and look what that did. Surely this could win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was my exact thought process. I. I think for me the reason i picked it so early is because like my best picture picking method is like i have like certain criteria i want to look for something original i want to look for something from a filmmaker who's never been nominated in best picture before because that's a pattern that happens and i want to look for something that's just so unique and fresh that, that like voters are like wow we've never seen anything like this let's reward it because uh, that is basically every winner in the past 10 years and in some way or another. And so when I first predicted this, I was like, I don't know if this is gonna this is gonna happen at the end of the day, but I don't see anything else that fits the criteria that I have at this point. And so, you know, I'll just pick it for best picture until a suitable alternative 
shows its head and nothing ever did. So I stuck with it all year. And, and look where that got us. Look where that got us. I mean, it's kind of insane how every year now, it, look, there's just an assumed front runner that comes right out of tip that seems more kind of traditional, I guess. And, you know, this year it was the Fablemans. Last year it was Belfast. No, I mean, year before, people kind of assumed trial didn't come out of tip or whatever, but people, a lot of people assumed trial was the favorite. Um, the Mank. Irishman. Mank as well. Mank as well, yeah. The Irishman. And once upon a time in Hollywood to a degree. Uh, yeah. And this year they're doing Killers of yeah, the Flower Moon. Yeah, don't predict Killers of the Flower Moon. No, I'm, if you predict uh, Killers no, of I'm the not. Flower Moon. You know you're going to fail with that at this rate. It's like, like, and people will say, oh, I'm just picking it until there's a suitable alternative. No, my dude. Wait. At that point, just don't rank the the best picture nominees if you're going to do Just, like, pick anything other than that. Or, like, Dune. Or just pick something from a fresh voice. They're not going to give Scorsese best picture. They've seen him before. Exactly. There's not. Um, You... Yeah, yeah, the only way I feel like they do is if it's like super, super relevant to like something that happens this year. But or if there's like even then like a drought and there's like no alternative. Exactly. Well, but like the last time we saw that happen was literally in two thousand seven. Like yeah. No Country for Old Men is the last movie from like a respected, known filmmaker to win Best Picture. Right. I mean, close like, to I guess you could say, sure. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, like, um, the the only filmmaker who has won Best Picture after being nominated before since two thousand seven is Inyaritu for Birdman. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Birdman is that it was so fresh and it was so unlike anything he'd ever done before or anything that had been done before at all that it kind of is the exception that proves the rule because, like. Yes, he as a filmmaker had been nominated, but no one had seen anything like Birdman. Right. And so it's still fresh. It's still new, right? So that's, that's the criteria that you have story. to look for. Yeah, that's, that's it's also always the, an underdog story. Always. I mean, even the biggest Oscar bait, like the artist in the King's Speech in Argo and 12 Years a Slave, they're all underdog stories. And they yeah. all beat the, the, the art alternative was like not a not an underdog story. Like, this happened the last couple years too, obviously with Coda and Parasite. But even like Green Book, in a way. Yeah, I guess well, the thing about Green Book is that it's from you know you've got a filmmaker that everyone in the Academy they know, right? They know him as the guy who made Dumb and Dumber. They know him as the guy who makes all the raunchy, stupid ass comedies. But now he's making a movie that's smart. Hmm. And mm, so it's like smart. you have that same raunchy comedy. It, yeah, in air quotes. Now you have that raunchy comedy that you got in Dumb and Dumber, but you have it in awards context, which is something that they'd never seen before. You know, that was something fresh. It was something new. It was a fresh voice in the awards race. And that's why Green Book won, right? It was It was different. Even if it's so, like, average, it was different from a typical awards contender in many ways. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. looking for something that's going to push the medium forward. 
Yeah, or at least push their perspective of the medium forward. Yeah. And that was everything ever all at once this year. It exactly. Was. Yeah. I'm so curious to see what it ends up being this year. Past lives. I, I really it have could no be. The thing with past or May, lives, December though, is watch how you live. Makes, I, I feel like past lives though is it it seems to be vulnerable to be that kind of critic, darling, where it isn't like a money maker like everything everywhere and it isn't a crowd pleaser like coda but maybe it's like nomadland or something or like, i just i'm yeah. worried that the lack of an ensemble factor there could isolate things right I'm, I'm getting too ahead of time here no i'm with you that's why i'm going with the bike riders right now i know I that's, that's 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 kind of bold well i don't know it's just like it feels like we're kind of going into like this new, like with everything everywhere, it's like another era of like new Hollywood. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is like the bike riders is kind of a ode to like the original new Hollywood movement. So I feel like there might be an area wow. there, but I don't well, know. Maybe best picture will just go to bottoms. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, Emma Seligman is going to get like an oscar nomination no, like some that point. honestly wasn't a complete joke like mm-hmm. at this rate like who knows yeah Maybe i the think first... something else that's important as well is looking at what has heart like that is mm-hmm. a big factor in this race is you want something that people can feel really good about voting for yeah something that's going to move people in some way it would be the first yeah. uh best picture winner to feature <laughs> Uh, where I have met a member of its cast. So, actually, wait, is Nicole Nicole Kidman a Best Picture winner? I mean, like, a Best Picture winner where one of the cast members is someone I've met before. I I do not believe Um, that Nicole Kidman is not any Best Picture winner. I know Reed Birdie's not, so... That's a great question. Well, she's technically in the AMC ad, which played before some Best Picture winners. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh... Anyway, no, okay, so I yeah. want to make one it bold didn't play take. before Coda, so it just played before everything everywhere all at once. Oh, oh I okay, I want to make a bold, not bold call, but just pitch uh, a perspective of why the winner of next year could be Wonka. Um, because okay, here's the thing you want to have a filmmaker it's not their debut they've done a few films before that have had a lot of traction but haven't been something that the academy specifically could like reward in some way like people knew who the daniels were they were the guys from swiss army man like people Uh saw that movie people talked about that movie we've got paul king making a movie with a huge budget that's going to be highly accessible. It's a musical. It's fresh. It's new. It's an exciting take on a story that everyone kind of knows. It's different. And it's from a filmmaker that I think has a ton of respect in Hollywood, but they haven't been able to give him his flowers yet. I don't know. I'm not predicting this because it feels ludicrous to like, because this seems like it's Warner Brothers' like fourth priority this year. But I'm just saying it has everything it needs to be a potential contender because people would feel good about voting for it. It would like warm people's hearts. And Paul King is someone who is eventually going to be in the awards race for something. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I actually, I'm trying to squeeze Wonka into my best picture predictions. It's just hard because 
Warner Bros. has four contenders next year yeah. that seem, like, really big. And they're all, like, well, three of them are, like, big blockbusters in some way. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I feel like one of them's going to drop out, but three of them I feel like could get in. Yeah, that's the thing. If the color purple trailer comes out and it's it doesn't look absolutely breathtaking, I'm swapping it out and putting Wonka in instead. Same, yeah. I don't think I could put Barbie in just because, like, I'm looking forward to it. I just know that there's going to be a lot of bias within the Academy, uh, within the older male demographic of the Academy against that film. So I, I see that film struggling. Like, literally, we saw women talking struggle this year just for having the word women in the title. Yeah. Um, how is Barbie going to do when it's a film that is explicitly for young women? Um I I really see there being some problems uh, with the the male base of the Academy with that film. That was my fear, but I think because there's so much hype behind it um, and because I think it's going to get a lot of below-the-line support, and especially if it ends up, like, outgrossing um, Oppenheimer, which I think it could. Like, that's going to be a big story. Everyone's going to be talking about it, and I think that buzz could last to the end of the year and it could slip in kind of be like a a top gun maverick where like because it took a property and totally ran with it in like a really interesting direction then it just ends up becoming this big oscar thing no i i mean i agree but unless it has reviews the level of top gun maverick or more like even top gun maverick the thing about that is like yeah a lot of people could have discounted that film because it was a top gun movie but still like who loves top gun most of all old white dudes yeah right whereas like that's the exact same base that is not going to watch barbie even if everyone's saying oh this is the best movie of the year like what's going to happen is you're going to have a large portion of people saying this is the best movie of the year this is absolutely incredible and then you're going to have a bunch of men who either won't watch the movie in the first place or will watch the movie and say oh my god it's so bad it's good it's so bad it's good they won't be able to admit that it's just good It'll be, oh, this movie was awful, but it was so bad it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's going to hold it up. It's it's the the factor of, like, I saw this great Instagram post talking about, um, like, why so many men just dogpile on things that are sp- specifically music that's made for young women. Like, how there's a lot of music nerds that say, oh, the Beatles got good after Beatlemania ended, right? Like, the Beatles went from a teenage girl phenomenon to your dad's favorite band. And, like, I guess that's uh, that's the point that I have there, is that I just see there being issues with uh, with getting men to watch something that is based on a property that's made for little girls. That's kind of my issue. And gays. Don't forget them. Well, yes, yes, the little girls and the gays. That is something that we will discuss next time we're on this show. (laughs) This is not a next year episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think we're just Um, too excited. We we should probably like discuss the actual ceremony itself. I don't really have anything new to add about the ceremony itself. Like, I like the presentation of it. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel was awful. Like, you know, he was better this time than he was the last two times. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts. I like that we finally have Rose. I like that we finally have Rose again instead of 
stupid tables and random seats everywhere. This actually felt like the Oscars. The last two years did not. Specifically two years ago when they did it in that random room that was it, so It was Union ugly. Station. Yeah, it was so ugly. The lighting was so ugly. And I mean, just, it was shot on film. No in- I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just looked horrible. I don't know why it was it was like that. But Which, this year actually felt like the Oscars. Like, what are the logistics of shooting a event on film? And they figured why? it out somehow. They yeah. figured it out. But the, Like, I mean, it doesn't... It just makes no sense to me. I mean, I thought the presentation of that show was cool. I said it on here. I did too. But, no, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I liked it. I think... It was some of the other stuff that was not cool. I mean, yeah. Like switching around the awards. I mean, <laughs> we, we can I talk those, about all that until the cows come home. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's been said to death already. Um, but I mean, if no one else has any further thoughts on the actual show itself, um, 12% increase. I, so. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in and say Jimmy Kimmel wasn't like, obnoxious his bits didn't really work but i like that he understood his job as a host was to yeah. not take up too much space yeah you know and what the show did well is it delivered on the speeches yeah it delivered on uh showing the technical aspects like i loved when the costume design award was presented and they raised the screen and showed you costumes from each of the films or like with best score they they showed the orchestra and everything and showed the work that went in like, they did a really good job of making it clear that the Oscars is a show about the love of film and about the creation of film, and not just like, hey, look, all the fun celebrities in one room. Yeah. Also, the performances were, like, three out of five great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly yeah. better than most years. Usually it's one yeah, or no. two. I'm just begging Last for um, Eric Andre to host. Just get Eric Andre. <laughs> I I don't know. The thing I really liked about this year is, and I know it's like not much to ask, but it just felt like a normal ceremony again. Yeah. And the past couple years were just like so crazy and just like they were trying to switch everything around that it just felt nice to regain some normalcy in the Oscars. It was nice to see standing ovations like they yeah. normally are. Because, like, again, the last two years didn't give us those, really. There wasn't really a way for that to happen. But just getting to hear someone's name called and hearing the roar and everyone get up on their feet, there's something so incredible about that, especially mm-hmm. when it's collective, when everyone's together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this the, the last two years also just really felt like such a drought. I don't even know why they held the Oscars. I guess it'll be interesting to look back at it, but I'm glad we're returning. Hopefully it stays like this. I agree. Let's hope. In any event, that's the ceremony for you. Let's get into the actual winners themselves. So, as we've done the past couple of years, and as I think of just about every other show does um in order of category presentation emily blunt and uh 
Black Adam himself, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, came out to change the hierarchy in the Oscar Cinematic Universe and give the award to Best Animated Feature to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I mean, what an upset. Right? <laughs> Did anyone feel like it may have been something like no. the tides have changed? No. no. No, because, I mean, every precursor. Every um, single like, one with, with Pinocchio. Yeah. It was no, a I, little I agree. I, I was but on the Pinocchio train. I love that movie, but I, just, I know to, a lot of people. Yeah. If you talk to like someone who doesn't really follow the race, they probably would have thought it was going to be Puss in Boots. Yeah. Yeah, but he words someone who doesn't follow the race. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. But like I had a few friends who placed money on Puss in Boots and I was like, mm, yeah, no, that wasn't a good bet. Not the best bet. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sorry, but having Guillermo del Toro in the title, like, come on, that's a guaranteed oh. Oscar. I mean, that's uh, assuming that del Toro is a household name. But for the Academy, he is. For, for, yes. for yes. film yeah, people, but, yes. I mean, I'm talking about my friend who who uh, put money down on Puss in Boots. It I think if, if you're, like, somewhat in tune with, like, the film industry and media industry in general, I feel like he is a household name. Because, like, he's he's got his foot in, like, a lot of different avenues, like TV, and he's in, uh, like, video games, too. So I feel like he's kind of become a household name at this point. Oh, that's right. He was a, like a a voice actor and like a character model in Death Stranding, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know he that's was hilarious. working on like Silent Hill or something like that. Yeah, it's a great win, though. I mean, yeah. this is my second favorite movie of the year, period. So, like, I'm just really happy to see it go all the way here. I mean, yeah, I knew I Marcel wasn't movie. wasn't gonna win, so I'm, I'm yeah, good I with it. Justin Boots wasn't going to win. I'm good with it. <laughs> it's a great lineup, though. This is no, one was. of the best animated oh, yeah. lineups we've had in a long time. You could have picked it's my favorite lineup in this category since the 2009 year, which was Up, Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Secret of Kells, and The Princess and the Frog. I mean, come on. Well, that's that, insane. That said, I think the Sea Beast kind of fucks up the lineup a little, little yeah, bit. Yeah, the Sea Beast kind is, like... is kind of mid. <laughs> It was it was kind of mid, but I thought it was a better option than some of the other alternatives. I mean, Let it's me better pitch, than Lightyear. I think 2015's animated lineup is legitimately better than that year's Best Picture lineup. Oh well, yeah, like, yeah. Inside Out, Anomalisa, Boy mm. and uh, I think it's Boy and the World. Great yeah. movie, super underrated. Shaun the Sheep movie, and when Marnie was there, you've got Ghibli, you've got stop motion, you've got Charlie fucking Kaufman, Pixar, yeah. and then like something yeah. indie that's just like exciting and different. That's my favorite year in the category because 2009, yeah. I really like Princess and the Frog. Kind of throws it off a little bit for me. Really? Oh, I do I like, like that, that movie. Mm. I don't know, man. I mean, I respect it for being one of the. Uh, if yeah, the second last uh, Disney movie that was animated in that traditional style, but it's not for me. I like I I like the music, but the movie I find to be kind of dull. Mm. But mm. otherwise, that lineup slaps. And twenty fifteen was like 
it was so good that they even left out like a lot of great uh animated movies that year too like the peanuts movie yeah. and stuff yeah well same with 2009 that's a pattern as well i think that we're actually coming into another year that's going to be like that yeah I do. like yeah. something big is going to be especially like with that um that teenage mutant ninja turtles movie that seth rogan is like writing and directing like that looks absolutely incredible and at this point there's so many great looking animated movies that i just i don't know how they're gonna make a lineup of five next year well miyazaki hopefully will yeah miyazaki, oh, miyazaki will spider verse yeah miyazaki will win it's he can win yeah song. yeah mm-hmm. that could even yeah, get but... a best picture nomination I hope so. That's what I'm hoping. Oh my or god, a win. could you imagine? Or a win. That could be like the yeah. international can movie this year. Oh my god, can you well, imagine? Well, it Mara won't be, it, that too. It won't imagine play, uh, it won't play can. got like a director nomination or something. Wow. If Miyazaki got a director Honestly, nomination, that if, might be the most inspired nomination they've ever done. Yeah, literally. If we see How Do You Live being like a masterpiece that gets into Best Picture, which it could, because like, do not underestimate how much like critics and industry members love Miyazaki. Like Miyazaki has two films in the Sight and Sound 100 of yeah. all time. Like the industry loves him and respects him. And I think a lot of people have been inspired by him. If he makes it into best picture, do not count him out from winning. Yeah. Can't wait to see But again, it. this is next year. Yeah, this is next year. <laughs> this is not what this show is about right now. Can't wait to see it. So anyway, after that, Ariana DeBose and Troy Kotzer come out to present Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Uh, supporting Actor comes first, and it is, of course, Brian Tyree Henry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine, though? Like It's oh Barry oh, Keoghan again. Uh... <laughs> Rewatch the clip. You can see Judd Hurt put his acceptance speech in his pocket. I'm not kidding. I'm not. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh my God, Michael Keaton. Did the audacity. The did audacity really to be Judd he was Hirsch. Win? Like, did he really think that? I guess he had it just in case. I don't know. Oh, that's kind of sad. I feel bad. Well, maybe that he just, just wasn't sad. following. He sweet. Yeah, he does racing. seem really nice. That, no, I, I, maybe he just wasn't following the race. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I understand like why you'd want to be prepared, like just in case the upset of the century happens. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that he was like, you know, expecting it. That he he had it out. It was like a what if the craziest thing happens because he he must have known the politics. Like, I mean. I can just say from, like, conversations with someone who was in the race this year, because, like, I I know one of the actors from Women Talking, like, people who are in the race are acutely aware of the politics going on. So, like, I'm sure he knew. (laughs) But it also doesn't hurt to be prepared, because, like, all quiet winning production design still happens, right? Even if you haven't win anything, you could still pull through. Yeah. No, it was obviously Kiwi Kwan who gave yeah. God. I, how many fucking like my, tears I have I cried friend, over this man? I can't count. Yeah, no. My my friend texted me. She said, 
even my stubborn and unemotional Russian mother shed a tear when he said, Mom, I just won an Oscar. <laughs> there you have it. And freaking asshole Jeff Wells, because I, I was collecting his uh, reaction to the movie winning picture for my uh, Everything Everywhere Haters Cope compilation. Um, that's going to come out soon. <laughs> I, I, I read his article and he was like, oh my God, stop crying. You knew this was happening. I'm like, it's so overwhelming for people. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, winning an Oscar means a lot. And exactly. it felt like it meant, like for the past couple of years, it felt like that meaning was starting to fade. But this year it felt like it really it felt that. You felt it, yeah. Just like watching um key get up there and and what it meant to him i mean it, it it was a really emotional thing not just for him but for everyone watching all the, four of the, the acting winners are yeah people who embrace so much kindness and empathy and were able to win awards not because of performances that connected so much with people but because as people they connected with so many and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like seeing that happen. I mm -hmm. like seeing good people earn their flowers. Well, and also Same. just just to George, what you were saying about this pundit who was saying, stop crying. You knew this was happening. No, they don't. Like you're if you have won everything on the way to the Oscar, you're still going to be worried about falling at the last second. That has happened to so many people. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure Glenn Close, quote unquote, knew she was winning for the wife, right? So someone she wore like gold. Kwan, yeah, someone like Kwan would go into that night still having doubts, still feeling like, I know I've been told that this is going to me, but I won't believe it until I have that thing in my hands. So someone saying, stop crying, you knew you were winning? Like, shut the fuck up. No exactly. one knows they're winning. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Wells is They're an aware asshole, that they're the front will... runner, and they're yeah. aware of how fickle that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway, Jeff Wells is an asshole. I just wanted to call him out and shit on him, live on air. Um, yeah, we love Key. Um, I'm surprised that his, his clip was not in another life. But whatever yeah it's the fine. clips they chose for most of the actors were kind of strange i didn't like the format it was like some of the performances i think it tried to kind of do like a little montage of their yeah performance i think for someone like michelle it worked better or like austin butler but for a performance like i don't know carrie condon or paul mescal or brian tyree henry like why do you want to make a fan cam of like a subtler, more traditional performance. Like it, it doesn't work. It was very out of place. I think the funniest one was Judd Hirsch because he's in like one scene. Right. So yeah. when they did the montage, most of the montage was not Judd Hirsch. It was like other people in the Fablemans. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Incredible. Yeah. The, clip the, the editor of that clip thought it was a Paul Dano montage, I guess. It should have been a Paul they Dano montage. They didn't get the memo that Paul Jesus. Dano. Second year in a row where someone whose name started with J-U-D, who's older and an Academy Award nominee, got nominated over a more expected contender who's younger. And better. Katrina Valentine, 
and Paul Dano are maybe the same age. Might need a fact check. I think Dano's one. slightly younger, but I don't know. Yeah, very similar. Uh, yeah, who but... who is better and got more precursors? Just, I mean, the academy yeah. still has these biases, and they still are being exclusive and and like excluding all of these people for no reason. But that's just my sense. Do you guys think that part of it was because Michelle Williams decided to go lead? So then, no people kind of no no maybe not. But I think it's because they're I not mean, familiar with Paul Dano. But yeah. how can you not be? Paul I mean, Dano has Paul been Dan- in. I I'm I'm glad I didn't predict him because I said Paul Dano has been in bigger contenders and missed. Yeah, so he's That's... he's been on the track to get nominated three times before this. This was like, like I, I've never seen this happen to one actor. Like he has the worst luck. He really does. He, he has a freaking screaming cry to get nominated. Well, yeah. he has to yeah. slam. He has and... to play some historical figure caked in 10 pounds of makeup, sitting in a chair for five hours a day. That's what he's going to have. He should have been in the whale. Yeah. Maybe he should take on a musical biopic. They seem to really give nominations to those. Like, maybe he should play Brian Wilson. <laughs> um, I know. How did I'm he sure not... they'd nominate him for that. <laughs> that makes no sense that he didn't get nominated for that. Like, Brian Wilson's such a huge figure, and it's right up their alley, and it's a great movie. It's because it was an indie. It was too yeah. indie for them. And it didn't make a splash at all. only in the first half of the movie? Yes. Yeah, I, I would have nominated y'all. John I mean, Cusack. that is never an advantage. That's Unless what you're Carrie Condon. I was saying this the whole year. Her character disappears for the last 30 minutes. Yeah, well, speaking true. of Carrie Condon, you know what's not great? The winner of Best Supporting Actress, who disagree, disagree in Ariana DeBose's voice, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a great win because I okay. Agree. Oh, in, in Ariana DeBose's voice, you mean all of us? Yeah. I think okay. I think the thing with this category is there wasn't a single like runaway winner like there was in the other categories. There wasn't like an obvious pick, so they were gonna go for someone with more of a career narrative, um, whether it was Angela Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think their enthusiasm around the movie, and also because Jamie Lee Curtis herself was so enthusiastic and was campaigning for them all year, I think that led to people wanting to vote for her. But she's also great in the movie. She's really good. She shows a lot of range, and she takes a character that could have just been a a side character and brings like a lot of depth to, to um that character. So. I, I liked her performance. I think it's worthy of the win. And I don't think there was like a standout winner in that category. So I'm totally fine with her taking it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying before, and, and I'll say it again, like the reason why I think you see the internet jumping on Jamie Lee Curtis so much and like really ragging on that win is just very much because we are not the demographic that is going to resonate with that performance on an emotional level. Right? Like, all of us here, we are all closer to Stephanie Shu's age. We are all, we see ourselves more in joy. Whereas, like, Deirdre Bobirdra, Jamie Lee Curtis, that performance really speaks to older, middle-aged women, middle-aged men who feel as though life has passed them by, who feel lonely, who feel unlovable, worthless, 
And I like I think everyone's felt that at some point in their lives and it compounds over the years. And also like you have all these people who have been familiar with Jamie Lee Curtis through her entire career as a genre actor. Like people love Jamie Lee Curtis. So I don't know. I mean, it makes sense if you remove yourself from like being a mid-20s pundit <laughs> and remember that like the Academy are older and they're going to resonate with that role much more than Stephanie Hsu. I don't think it was a narrative win. I don't think it was like a, oh, you know, there's nothing better. I think people genuinely voted with their heart and she was people's favorite. Here's what I think it was, at least in part. It was a fractured race and she won because she was in the best picture winner. It, it, it's kind of what happens in these types of races. 2020, Frances McDormand wins. Guess what won Best Picture? Nomadland. If Promising Young Woman was winning Best Picture, Carrie Mulligan probably would have won. Like, you know, it, it's kind when of... You a, like that. Mm, love these hypothetical situations. Yeah, I don't know about that, George. Yeah, Best I, Picture, I... which one is stronger in Best Picture? It happened in 2007, too. Tilda Swinton uh, won, and she was the only nominee besides Sir Sharon, who was nowhere close to winning. Um, who had a film in Best Picture. But Matt's theory can also apply to um, to the Carrie Mulligan, Francis McDormand race, where that character that Francis McDormand was playing, um, sure. a lot of older audiences sure. are going to be able to resonate sure. with her. That's why her. I said that's part of it. I, I obviously do not think she only won because she was in everything, everywhere, all at once. Because in that case, Stephanie Hsu would have had a you know an equally as good chance, but yeah, unfortunately not. I think and, it's a- and the thing is like online you might see people say that Stephanie Hsu is like the runaway like best part of that movie, but her nomination was the win, and I think that I mean yeah, she, yeah, I, she wasn't I, even longlisted for BAFTA, which is yeah. Just... I mean, in terms of the three actual contenders, what happened was, I don't think Condon had any actual passion. I just think that Banshees was a movie that left a lot of people cold, that was more Eurocentric, Euro-friendly, hence the nine nods and zero wins. Just mm-hmm. the fact that all of those actors and the picture and the director, everything got nominated everywhere. It In the end, just like no one is voting for that as no one is going to say that's their favorite movie of the year. Like, right. And, and the thing with Harry Condon is that I think we should have looked at the BAFTA win for her as in the same way that we we did for Barry. I think we should have looked at their BAFTA wins the same way, but I get why in retrospect we didn't because people did say for a while that she could be the winner. Again, there was that stat that since Lupita Nyong'o, all of the supporting actress winners were the only winner for their film. But voters aren't thinking. I wasn't oh, thinking about that when oh, I was predicting. Yeah, so. like nobody, no voter is thinking. I'm not going to vote for this person because they're not going to be the lone nominee for their film. Exactly. I just feel like what ended up happening was in the end it was probably between Angela and Jamie, and there is a stigma around awarding a MCU performance yeah. with an Oscar, even if it is from Angela fucking Bassett. I I think that. It, it'll never be taken seriously enough to win an above-the-line Oscar. And even if you are an Oscar legend like her, who has been putting in the work since, I don't know, 40 years almost, I think that it'll just, 
it's just not gonna happen. I was saying this earlier. The Oscars don't care about a career win if the reason behind their win would be that they haven't won in the past and right. that they've been nominated and didn't win. How come that didn't happen with Glenn Close? Mm-hmm. How come that didn't happen with um what was her name? Um why am I forgetting this? But yeah, I mean Glenn Close is the biggest comparison, but I'm gonna get more into this later when we get well, to best. I just to piggyback off of you there, I do think that it matters if you haven't won before. The career narrative is definitely part of it for Jamie Lee. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was never a thing that she should have been nominated for or won, but she did in part win because people say, oh, we love her. We love her career. But the yep. difference is it can't be that your award narrative is just right. that you haven't won before. That was the which issue is, with Angela. That was the issue with, with Angela Bassett. That was the issue with Glenn Close is that their entire campaign was, I haven't won before. I deserve this. Whereas Jamie Lee was like, I haven't won before, I deserve this, and this is the most original movie of the year, and Michelle Yeoh is amazing, and I want this more than anything in the world. Like, it's a compounding thing, and part of it is that, but it can't be all of it, right? Like, Brendan Fraser was also, we want to give him this because he's never had it before, but it was also that it felt good to nominate. Uh, It felt good to give him a win. It felt good to vote for him. So, you know, it's a, a career win, has to come along with an element of they, they deserve this it. for more reasons. You have to feel it. You have yeah. to feel it. It can't just be like we're never going to see a Leonardo DiCaprio The Revenant win again, where it's clearly just about. Um, and he also benefited. I mean, I love that performance. It, I feel like he also benefited from having literally the worst set of best actor nominees I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yes. And I also think, yeah, the movie was a major was the clear. It had the most yeah, nominations. Was, yeah. Right. And, and 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 every other nominee, like I think Twitter thinks is like genuinely like not a good way to list off the best actors of that year. Hmm. So yeah, it, it was very runaway. Yeah. Like But only... even like last year with Will Smith. Like that's yeah. that's a career award, but that I think is. that he built a narrative that was much more than just I deserve this because I haven't won right. before. And and that's like the I think he made it feel good for him. That's the type of performance that voters do vote for. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is subtle, is unlikable, and mm-hmm. it it they they're just not going to gravitate towards that. And Andrew Garfield, I'm. I don't know. I would have voted for him. Not in a Best like... Picture nominee. Not in the Best yeah. Picture nominee. I do think if the movie had gotten into Best Picture, it could have been possible. But but regardless. I feel like the industry didn't really like that movie in the end. It yeah, just... it was more for like musical theater people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That like was the, me. That was the issue. Like me too. Um, I do. Really Are you like a musical theater about. person, Tristan? I'm getting into it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm ah. like I. I don't know as much as a lot of other people, but I. I do love musical theater. Oh, I was. I was wanting to bond with you right here over <laughs> a mutual love of jazz hands. <laughs> well, my, my final note on Jamie Lee Curtis, though, Deirdre Barbiera is up there with Gundren Brangwen as two of the best character names to win Academy Awards. That is the name of Glenda Jackson's best actress winning character for Women in Love 53 years ago. <laughs> That's fantastic. Those two wow. names I will never forget. 
That's yeah, also that... a really strange movie for her to win an Oscar for. Right. Absolutely a very strange performance. Yeah. But well, yeah, Deirdre Bobirdra yeah. is like Bodie McBoatface being a, a, a best actress winning character. Right. Like, I, I just love that they went with that name. And also, Joe Butopaki, like, iconic. Incredible. Like, that's an Academy Award nominated character. I will also, here, here's what, here's another theory I have as to why, as to part of why Jamie Lee Curtis won. I think some voters, did it as a way of thanking her for getting them to watch the movie because it is true that jamie lee curtis really pulled a lot of her weight campaigning this movie getting people to watch it and just like Mm -hmm. you know she she got a lot of older voters to watch it i'm not she's not the only reason the movie won best picture i do not believe that but I think she's a part of well, the, but I a do big reason think I, why people watch the movie. So I think part of the reason why she won might have been as a way to say, thank you for getting us to see this movie that we all love. I agree. I don't think she's the sole reason it won, but I don't think it would have won without her. Yeah. Right. And it wouldn't have won without Michelle because the reason why Jamie did it was because of Michelle. Yes. So there you go. It was really and the Juan. two of them. And Juan, yeah. And yeah. Juan. I think it was, it was yeah. those three actors that pushed this film to the win. Yeah. It really had every single thing going for it since the beginning. Everywhere. Like an unstoppable beast. Like a fucking tank the entire award season. We haven't seen something most like this awarded so film, Most awarded film ever by the guilds, if you count all of its sag wins. Most, most awarded film ever, period. Yeah. Most yeah. above the line, surpass Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's kind of insane. To be fair, part of that is because, um, like, if you go back, some of these guilds, like the SAGs, wasn't around until like the nineties. But like, still, this is like pretty yeah. impressive. It's this kind of is insane. The, the type of film that's going to be remembered alongside Titanic, yes. Gone with the yeah. Wind. Yes, yeah. I agree. Like, um, uh, on the waterfront, Lawrence of Arabia. Like, it's going to be one of those names that goes down in history as one of the Oscar winners. Yeah. And now it's Parasite, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And yeah, and it is now one of three films alongside A Streetcar Named Desire and Network to win three of the four acting categories. That's insane. Now we just need to see one win all four. Yeah. Is that even like possible? Like, do we really think that could ever? Like, I don't know. The last movie that got nominated in all four was American Hustle. (sighs) And it went home with none of them. Bad movie. So, yeah, bad movie. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, David O. Russell's next project could totally do it, right? (laughs) Does he even have a next project? He does. Shockingly, yes. Kiki Palmer's going to be on it. it. Oh wow! Right, uh, we were all rooting for you. What did you do? Hollywood actors with such promise don't work with David O. Russell challenge level impossible. Anyway, that's all we got to say about Jamie Lee. Um, so then Riz Ahmed and Questlove 
come out to present uh, best documentary feature and best live action short film. Uh, documentary goes to uh, Navalny. Now on the show, on the predictions episode, I said Fire of Love, but I switched back before the ceremony and I am very glad that I did <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, the political what element. What was Questlove's reaction? Same as mine. I mean, well, like, I don't mind. Like, the how did you guys read that reaction? Because to me, when he opened the envelope and kind of sighed, I was like, wait, is he disappointed? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he wanted to win. Because I, I really love Navalny. I think I, I he wanted the house with his splinters. Um, I thought that Navalny was the worst of the five documentaries. It's, I think there's a difference. I, I mean, voters for this don't vote based on what's the best documentary. They vote on which story they think is the most powerful and relevant. Relevant. And I'm sorry, but like all the beauty in the bloodshed, like, is so incredible. Like, I as agree. A documentary and. And as in its structure, in its editing, in its storytelling, and even though I'm naturally going to gravitate that more, gravitate toward a story like that more, I will always care more about someone like Nan Golden than any of the primary focuses of any of the other docs. I just, I, I'm so pissed that that couldn't happen. It reminds me of how I fucking felt when Faces Places by Agnes Varda. Don't even get me win. started. Lost to a documentary about a political situation in Russia. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. that the Oscar voter, I mean, I, I, I just can't have another artist who I love have a documentary and see them lose to a political one again. I just, Andy Warhol, please, like just no documentary about you. No, like th that, they can't do that. <laughs> it's, it'll be amazing and I, it's not going to win. And I would not be able to watch that. Biodocs um, are often things that don't win, though. I mean, sometimes they don't even get nominated. Like, would you be my neighbor? Um, oh, God, don't remind me. I, I think, look, All the Beating in the Blood Show was in my top 10 of the year. I thought that was terrific. And I would have absolutely voted for it. It was in my it. top three of the year. I thought um, it was. I but, never got a chance to see it, so I got to go back and watch it. Yeah, you do. I don't mind Navalny's win. I, I like the movie a lot. I, I mean, it's mainstream. I think it does work really well. Um, and yeah, it is obviously very politically relevant. I have not seen either Icarus or Faces Places, so I could not tell you. Why well, watch Faces Places skip Icarus? Yeah. Yeah, Icarus is not very good. And Faces, 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 Faces is, is great. Incredible. Yeah. Icarus is good in that it's an interesting story and it's uh it's told competently, but it's uh I wouldn't say it's exceptional and it won purely based on the fact that the Olympics were happening when voting was happening. Right, right, right. And uh everything was going down with Russia being banned from the Olympics at that point. But yeah, in in terms of this, I mean the thing that I will say about Navalny beyond the political aspect is that it manages to be a film that captures a scene that I think every documentary filmmaker dreams about, right? Like the, the phone, the phone call, call scene in that movie right. is 
that is the the type of scene that i and think it is every an incredible single scene. like it is every single filmmaker when setting out to make a documentary hopes that they can capture something like that on camera and they mm-hmm. almost never do and i will so, say i don't know yeah. if we look at it as like one of the best of the of of the documentary genre like i think that you can make an argument that that scene alone makes it worth awarding because like it's just so unlikely to capture something that amazing yeah yeah, yeah i'd agree with that and like speaking of capturing things that are amazing i'm more impressed on the fucking volcano shit in fire of love than I, I'm just saying, I, I, I know I'm being salty about this. I just go for it. I, just go you know for what? It. The Academy members for not voting for all the Beauty and the Bloodshed Academy members are homophobic and believe that the Sackler family should still be running the world. You know what? That's my two cents on that win. Um, I mean, it could have made it a solid shot at a win if the war in Ukraine wasn't happening this year. But or if it got like ultimately it, it come down to that this was or if the academy members watched the movie. Well, I think even if they watched the movie, you see Navalny as a perfect opportunity to give the middle finger to Putin. That's what you saw in multiple. Navalny is ballots. also a bit more, I guess, accessible to people who are not yeah. really into documentaries, like I assume or most... art, like or art. yeah, like. like all and, the beauty in the bloodshed is so catered towards like upper class New Yorkers. Like I love the movie; it's in my, my top ten of the year. But like that is a movie that is made for critics, and yes. it's a movie that is made for um like I think of like Upper East Side Manhattan. Like you would think of that type of person going to the theater and being like, "Oh my goodness, did you see that new Nan Golden documentary?" Yeah, and like no knock to Nan Golden or to the film. It's an amazing film, but like I don't think it's accessible or speaks to every American. Mm-hmm. No, right. But I am a queer individual whose fa- father works in the art industry, who has been to those galleries, who's known who Nan Golden was. So you're right. I I am naturally going to be more connected to that than anyone else. But I don't know. I, 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 no, I you're I, right. It's an incredible film and it's a horrible snub, but like mm-hmm. it does make sense. It does make, it sense. make sense. And also, like Laura Poitras won before. I don't know how many people knew that, but for Citizen she, Four, right? Yeah, for Citizen Four. Mm-hmm. Another movie political. that was also, yeah, very politically relevant given, you know, how recent the uh, Edward Snowden situation had been at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's also a factor. I don't really mind the Navalny win. I do think it's a very good film, but I do prefer All the Beauty. So um, whatever, it's fine. Uh, but then best live action short film. That went to An Irish Goodbye, which I think should have been the obvious choice from the beginning, probably. Yeah. It well, is... ever since it was the one yeah. English language film nominated. Yeah. yeah. I understand picking, like, predicting Le Pupile because, you know, Alfonso Cuaron is attached to it. And, you know, Riz Ahmed won last year. But for people who watch the shorts, which granted is not a lot of people, yeah. it's the one that felt 
the most like a winner. Right. It shouldn't be the case because we all know that the winner should have been the red suitcase. I agree with you. Incredible short that Mm -hmm. the clear best one. Yeah, like by far the best one. It was the only one I actually liked. I don't I don't dislike an Irish goodbye. It's cute. It's not that I dislike it, and I don't dislike Le Pupile. I just didn't feel anything when watching either of them. Yeah, Le Pupile was like Ivalu was weird. Cute, yeah. The editing was weird. It's, and it's so Night okay. Ride was Night Ride was the, uh, not good. Uh, Night Ride was the uh two distant strangers or skin of this year right. where it was like Except it didn't hey, win. we we have yes, exactly, except it didn't win. Um, because we all thought it was going to be Stranger at the Gate that was going to be that, uh, and then that also didn't win. They just didn't have a skin or a Two Distant Strangers this year. But it's like that movie. You can tell that the creators went into it being like, "We're going to make an important and impactful message," and then they just like missed the point by being like, "Hey, how about we just depict a bunch of violence against a trans woman, and then like say that we're being progressive by saying, "Hey, don't do that." But like, then the end of the misguided. film basically lets the transphobic people win. Like, it was very, <laughs> it was like, you're you're allowing these people to actually take over the situation, and you're saying your hatred will win. Like, I I, I didn't feel as though it it even made it clear that. That I don't know that there was something off-putting about it. I mean, hey, it's not the worst transphobic nomination in a short film of the year because Diane Warren's applause is the soundtrack to a short film about a woman who gets uncomfortable around a trans woman and then apologizes to her and then they dance in the rain to Diane Warren's applause. Like that song is the transphobe anthem. Wait, it's a short film. So Tell It Like a Woman is an anthology of short films, and the short film in Tell It Like a Woman that applause is from. Mind you. Not literally, but might as well be. There's green screen in one of the shorts. It literally looks like fucking iCarly. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's one of the shorts where Jennifer Hudson plays a real-life activist, I guess you could say. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the one. And then when it's over, it cuts to the actual actual activist and goes, Hi, I'm person that was in the short. And I'm so oh my glad god. my story is being told. Oh my god. Like, yeah. When that happened, I screamed. I was like, Are you kidding? Me? Oh, and there's a fucking animated short in there. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I will maintain that applause is the turf anthem, basically. Yeah. Like, hey, well done. You did the bare minimum by not being a bigot for once. Like, sure, give yourself some applause. Dance in the rain. Like, right. so, so misguided, so gross. Anyway, um, I like that they uh, got the um, actor with Down... They uh, let the down the actor with Down syndrome in the short, Irish Goodbye, to hold the Oscar on stage. And that they uh, got oh, and the happy birthday, happy birthday, yeah, that was really sweet. I thought, 
It was a little. Un- I think that was one of the most memorable moments of the night. Yes, yeah, yeah. It did feel a little chaotic. Like the, they were just not singing in unison at all. I get that. The, the, no, but it was still sweet. I've never oh, like God. seen the Oscar audience or something like that trying to sing a song. Like it felt like a concert. It was a little weird. I still thought it was, it was charming and it was different. Sweet. And like, it was, really it, was sweet. it was. And like, the poor kid's got Down syndrome, dude. Like, you know. Yeah. He, he earned that moment. And yeah. he was like, it was, it was probably. He's really just... good in the film, too. Oh, yeah, he is. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was, that was a sweet moment. And it was different from what is expected in an acceptance speech. It was and that's a great why moment, I think it was yeah. special and memorable. It was a, it was a moment that they had. It was very special. Um, but moving on from that, <laughs> I'm kind of going quickly here, um, or as quickly as I can. Uh, Michael B. B. Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors come out to present the award for best cinematography, which, as expected, went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, which was the best nominee in a category that was uh, not great. No. I'm an idiot who put Elvis as my final prediction. I'm so mad at myself. If, El- if El- Elvis had beaten All Quiet at ASC, I think that prediction would have been more reasonable. But yeah, I was just thinking of momentum and I was predicting Austin Butler to win and two other awards for Elvis. So I was like, oh, it makes sense. I wasn't expecting four Oscars for All Quiet. So like, well, I just I had more faith three, so. in Elvis. Um, I mean, it's just a matter of everywhere. It was kind of like Regina King, I guess. Everywhere Regina King was nominated, she won. Everywhere where All Quiet was nominated, it won. So, like, I mean, it, it just feels like it makes sense. And, like, I mean, we can talk about how how much BAFTA got fucked this year. But we Ooh. do know that they didn't have zero influence. Their influence was not zero. And this was just, like, the first one that showed of that. And I do think All Quiet has, like, really good cinematography. And it is the best of this lineup. But, I mean, you know, there yeah, were a I lot mean, of subs here. It the would be my pick for the winner of the year. I mean, there, there were still a lot of snubs here, like EO and After Sun and Decision to Leave. The Batman would have been an awesome nomination. Okay, those like, were a little unrealistic. I, th- I, mean, I even think like Avatar or Babylon. Babylon, like, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, like... mm-hmm. And a lot of... I still hate the fact that Elvis even got a nomination here. Freaking MCU ass cinematography. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I see the argument for it getting a nomination. It's slick. It has a, a distinct look to it. It might look like plastic, but that's the point of it. So I don't know, man. I I get why it was nominated, even if well, I wouldn't personally nominate it. I called All Quiet winning this the second it was nominated. They always go for like the big movie in cinematography yeah oh yeah they they never don't the second i saw it at tiff i'm like this i don't think i'm gonna see better cinematography this year it's just it it's so well done it's it's a beautiful looking movie same here tristan we were at that same screening we were yeah uh i think i think we talked after that screening and yeah that was um i think we both left that theater that night going yeah 
yeah, All Quiet is crazy. And uh, I it, it was my cinematography pick from that moment all the way to the very end of the year. So Same with me. Um, I just wasn't sure if Netflix would campaign it. And they didn't <laughs> until they did. <laughs> uh, and it has the most Oscars of any Netflix movie to date. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it does. Because Romo got three, Mink got two, Marriage Story and Power of the Dog, Dog got one each, one. and this movie has four. And Irishman got zero. And Trial got wow. zero. And Don't Look Up got zero. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. Netflix, Netflix has had two major, two above the line Oscar wins ever, I believe. Just two, right? I think the issue three. is that Three Netflix above the line constantly. They pushed the wrong film. They pushed the wrong film. I think. Well, I I think it's less that they pushed the wrong film. Is that they put all of their campaign energy behind films that are technically incredibly impressive but are very cold, and that's not what the Academy responds to anymore. Like the Academy doesn't look films that are sterile but like technically accomplished they want films that make them feel good which netflix doesn't put their energy behind right yeah. and this is even still like one of those um one of those films kind of in line with that and i know some people kind of you know wonder because like based on what all quiet win one people kind of basically assume, well, All Quiet was the runner-up for Best Picture. Which I think is a fair um, assumption to make. But people kind of wonder, you know, after like Pete Hammond put out his article talking about, oh, all these voters are putting All Quiet in for one. Um, people started to wonder, okay, if All Quiet had gotten a PGA nomination, a DGA nomination, would it have beaten everything everywhere? I would still didn't... say no, personally. <laughs> I would still say no. Even if like Edward Berger won director of BAFTA with all those extra nominations, I think that would just be like a Richard Linklater thing, still. One thing that's a little strange about All Quiet is that it didn't really seem like it had a moment. Like right. Banshees had a moment. Um, you know, a lot of Top Gun, it had a moment. All Quiet didn't really. like. It didn't have momentum. People didn't even... No, yeah, and when it came out, it kind of just came and went, and it was the BAFTAs that really revived it, and that's where I think the BAFTAs mattered this year. And exactly, really that's, giving was, all quiet. That's legs. kind of what I was insinuating earlier when I said, "Well, BAFTA didn't have zero influence because they never have zero influence. Like something's always going they to helped translate that. They helped that, and they helped Triangle of Sadness get into picture." Yeah, but the Oscar, I mean, I, I think that what happened with Triangle of Sadness was that there are some stands of that movie out there, let me tell you. I'm one of them. I, I love it. I'm one of them. And I got to say, me too. I think it's a little mean and fucked that the best part of that movie, the part of that movie that even the, the land. Biggest hater, even the biggest haters like, was the one thing that didn't get recognized. And to me, that was this. 
this is a movie that got no SAG nominations, but right. got nominated at the Globes and the BAFTAs, these European branches. Those are the people who are making up these directors and writers branches who clearly mm-hmm. had it high on their ballots, but the actors didn't like it. No SAG nominations. So clearly it was just the Europeans who liked it and they don't have an influence in the actors branch. To be fair, so, Dolly was probably six. She probably was, but it was a it was tight. That was a close race. There. I mean, who I'm, else I'm would have been tight. above Dolly? Carrie Mulligan? I don't think so. No. And I think the women talking actresses kind of canceled each other out. So it yeah, probably would have been Dolly. As weird as this sounds, the the person who I think had the likeliest shot of getting an acting nomination for that was Ben Wishaw. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, because no competition uh, within the movie. Yeah. But Ben didn't really get nominated anywhere. I know, but neither did any of the actresses. Exactly. I think Jesse got a couple places, right? Like, yeah, like Jesse Critics' Buckley Choice. Critics' Choice, yeah. but like, you know. Critics' Choice, what a, what a great indicator of the winners. Yeah. And, and yeah, the only industry recognition there was for acting, other than SAG, of course, was Ben Wishaw getting on the bat the long list. Yeah. So, hmm. um, I mean, we're kind of harping on, we're kind of going on a bit of a tangent here. You know, all quiet one cinematography expected, and unless you're, unless you're Matt Downs, um, I guess. I mean, I had it picked like from the moment nominations came out all the way into like four days before the awards when i was like oh i guess i'll go for fucking elvis i'm a goddamn honest mistake i guess honest mistake i'm not i'm not trying to fucking um i'm not insulting you i've made worse predictions before oh oh, no no i know i deserve it though (laughs) (laughs) um I predicted power to dog for editing last year. Okay, I'm I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> um. Anyway, Jennifer Connelly and uh, Samuel L. Jackson come out to present the award for best makeup and hairstyling, which goes to the whale. This which, is the moment I knew Brendan was winning. I think that's the moment we all knew Brendan was winning. Yep. Yeah. And then I tweeted, "Is Elvis going to win nothing?" And had a big snow on my face as I sent that tweet. Look, as someone who really does not like Elvis, I am very glad that that movie got blanked in wins. The only problem is it lost two of those nominations to The Whale, a movie which I actively hate. Like, I, I like Elvis more than that movie. So it's one of those things where it's like, I won, but at what but at what cost? You know what I'm saying? The monkey's paw curls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I will say is, I think, when it came to, like, the makeup and hairstyling department, I think, like, what the whale did was a lot more interesting than like the makeup in Elvis because the makeup in Elvis is very traditional but with the whale I I remember when I saw that movie there was a Q&A after and they talked a lot about like how they you know used um tech new technology to do the the makeup and hairstyling it's really interesting and I think it does like kind of push that branch forward 
Um, and I think some of the technology that they use for that movie is going to be applied on films in years to come. So I feel like it's a good win. Um, I, I wouldn't have been happy if Elvis took it. I, just, I think Elvis, with the whale, people either like appreciate it or like the makeup and hairstyling or really don't. Elvis, it's like, I think it works on Butler, but like Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah Tom Hanks' makeup reminded me a lot of the eyes of Tammy Faye. Just because his cheeks didn't but the move, thing is like, and I don't, Tammy I don't Faye's cheeks love didn't move the either. Whale, I know. I don't love the whale. I think there's it's certain just, aspects all these, about. These... I think there's certain aspects about the makeup that are impressive, but I, I kind of had the same issue with Elvis and that like, like some of the makeup just doesn't move, like, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, like I mean, again, it goes back to the whole Tammy Faye. Like her cheeks don't move. Tom Hanks's cheeks don't move. Um, Brendan Fraser, like, like, and they showed this on the Oscar broadcast too, like in the background when the uh, makeup team went on stage to accept the award. Um, the, 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 the shot where he's getting out of the shower and, and it, it's just showing all the blubber or whatever the hell they put on him. Um, it, like that, that doesn't move. It just looks really, really weird. It's like, ugh. but I mean, I just have an issue with all of these recent winners: the whale, uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Bombshell, Vice, Darkest Hour. Like they're all the same fucking makeup, and none of them deserved the win. And I don't know. It it, it just it feels you know, very uninspired. You know what should have won here? All Quiet. Yes, that dude. or the Batman. Yeah, I would have yeah. went with the Batman. Well, with the Batman, I mean, that makeup, I'd say, is also the same. Like, it was... I mean, it was. It, it, it's not just the prosthetics, though. Like, yes, Colin Farrell is a big part of why that movie's makeup is showy. But it's also Robert Pattinson's makeup. It's the makeup on um, uh, Barry, Barry Keegan. It, you know, it's the makeup on, like, all the other characters in the film. Like... Fair enough, but when you look Larry into what they quiet, did, it's just the mud caked on all of them. And right. like, no, I agree. Their I absolutely hands. agree. And, and like all the dead bodies and stuff as well. Like, like obviously everyone oh, thinks yeah. of the scene where like half of Paul's face is just covered in mud and shit and all that, but it's also the dead bodies. Like that's why 1917 mm-hmm. was nominated. And it's yeah, really I think yeah. it was even more realistic and all quiet than 1917. Yeah, it's it's really impressive work. Um, yeah, but my case is that like the Batman, it's not just Colin Farrell, and Colin Farrell's makeup is really goddamn good. That's so, like, true. That's I guess terrific. the the problem that I see in the makeup category right now is that all of the winners that they've given recently are in support of one of the acting nominees. Right. All of these wins are like, this is makeup that turned an actor I know into someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's just so it's, uninspiring it's to have that happen every year. It's lazy. Um, <laughs> the last time that didn't it didn't turn out that way was Suicide Squad, which I mean... Which is a better win than all of these. I will say it. I, I mean, I it's, think it's more creative, but like, I don't think right. the makeup looks that good. But either. it's a much more interesting choice. Sure, sure. 
I mean, Star Trek Beyond should have won anyway, but whatever. It should have. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really mind some of the wins, though. Like, Ma, I don't mind the, the Ma Rainey win because it's, again, it, it, like the Batman, it's not just Viola Davis. There's other detail in the makeup uh, with that as well, like with Chadwick Boseman character and the way they parted his hair yeah, and the way people sweat in that movie too that's yeah like yeah like you know it's like the batman there's more going on than just viola davis and viola davis's makeup does look really good um but like i mean tammy faye i had issues with i didn't really have a huge issue with the makeup and bombshell but um i thought it looked really tacky uh, uh, on charlie's theron um, and on Nicole Kidman. Vice, I don't really have a big issue with. Um, Darkest I guess the Hour. The issue I have with Darkest Hour and Vice. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. The issue I have You're with fine. Darkest Hour and Vice is that both of them were very solid. Like, they did a great job with the makeup of both of those films. They oh, really yeah. transformed those actors. And like you were saying, it's not just those actors like it wasn't just what they did to christian bale and vice it was also amy adams like they Mm -hmm. did some really interesting stuff there the problem that i have with those wins is that in my opinion the true best makeup work of both of those years weren't even nominated like you're gonna tell me that what they did to create the creature in the shape of water wasn't worthy oh yeah makeup win I mean, some of people You're telling probably me thought that was that visual effects. What they but... did for Michael B. Jordan's like body in Black Panther wasn't worth a makeup. Or win. what they did to Tilda Swinton in Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing is like they're the thing that bothers me with those wins is that it's so blatantly just like they're just looking at the actors instead of looking at like really creative and uh and unique work which i think they honor in all the other craft categories like that's we see a lot I of so really when... interesting costumes yeah that's why i was so sad when everything everywhere missed the shortlist for makeup because yeah that's so much of and i mean it's not only just like the fact that there's that whole montage scene where it makes all the actors look younger and you have all the flashbacks but it's also like Joby the Tupaki. multiverses where like Evelyn is like a singer and I don't know, like stuff like that. It's just really cool. I think that's partly I why think... the movie got that costume design too. Yeah. yeah. The issue I have is the same with both the makeup category and the visual effects category. And I don't think it's the same in costumes or production design, which is that in both makeup and visual effects, they prioritize awarding films that are polished instead of awarding films that are creative. Whereas I don't think costumes has the same issue. I think that they have no problem uh, awarding scrappy films that are really creative in how they did the costumes. But yeah, with makeup and with visual effects, you only ever see the films that are just doing the exact same thing every single year. Even sound, I'd say sound is the same. Yeah. It's the same thing every year. It's never about how creative it is. It's just about how polished it is. And I think that's honestly really disappointing because there's so Mm -hmm. much creativity that goes into great makeup work, especially in the horror genre. But it's always just what is most polished, what clearly has the most money going into it, unless you're Dallas Buyers Club. 
but it, it's about polish rather than creativity. To be fair, like pointing, I definitely agree with that for makeup. For visual effects, it it looked like they were going in a different direction when Ex Machina won that. But right. It's yeah. The like, the one then, time I feel like I know it sucks. Like since then, it feels like they've just gone with the um, you know, the the big budget money maker. Big one. Yeah. But in sound, I think they are trying like. They're changing because uh, Sound of Metal, I thought. Sound of Metal, unique. yeah. And even Top Gun, like what they did with the sound in Top Gun, it, it's I think not Dune necessarily also, different. Like, Dune, Dune as well, has, yeah. It, Dune it is, is a really unique sound. Yeah, it is It is definitely like really impressive work that does push the, like, the capability of sound design in film. But yeah, visual effects and and makeup, I feel like they have a long way to, way to go. And I... I just wish that they um they had like the same if they had the same presentation and I know it doesn't really work for visual effects so this argument might not be valid but with visual effects they have that presentation where they like show what they did um on each movie for like to create the visual effects right. and if they ha- I don't know if they have that for makeup but I feel like if they did then we might start to get some more interesting um I mean they have a bake off every year for makeup oh they do yeah but like i mean again when it comes down to it like that because that's for the nominations that's for the branch the winners are always going to vote for what's the most obvious work the most if this was just the makeup branch well, I mean, the the makeup guild went with the whale, so I don't, I don't. Maybe they would still go for it mm-hmm. if they if it was just. They also went with Elvis. They did. If it was just the makeup branch last year, coming to America probably would have won. <laughs> or or like that or Cruella. I don't I don't know that T- Tammy Faye would have won that. So. No, you're you're actually. I do think you're right. That it's interesting that both of the branches that have these bake-offs are the ones that kind of end up having the more conventional kind of boring winners rather than really creative choices. Right. That's, that's an interesting commonality between these two categories that like, there must be something there. There really must. But then again, they weren't all lazy this year. As we can kind of see with our next category, best costume design, presented by uh, Paul Dano and Julia Louis Dreyfus to Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, making Ruthie Carter Thrilled. the first uh, black woman to win two Oscars. That's insane! Like, yeah, like I like when I read that, I was like, that can't be right. I mean, yeah, I would have thought Viola. I think a lot of people who aren't following this would have thought Viola Davis would have won too by this point. Her or uh, Whoopi Goldberg or someone, or I don't know, someone else. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, look, I thought the movie was mid, but the costume design work is pretty outstanding. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, yeah. everything that Angela Bassett wears is incredible. Well, even down to the scenes where uh, Shuri goes uncover in the U.S., like the yeah. costume work there is exceptional. I would actually say I think the only thing that Wakanda Forever steps up from the first film is the costume work. Yeah, I mean, 
as we were saying, like this category does have interesting nominees. I love that a movie like Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris can get nominated for costumes. It's I mean, it was Jenny Bevan after all. And it was Jenny Bevan, sure. But it's just like so the type of movie that you would only nominate for that. And it absolutely deserved it. And then like Babylon costumes are incredible in that movie, especially like what Lee Jun Lee wears. Oh, yeah. And then what was the other one? Everything Everywhere. Uh, Everything Everywhere. Like that's such a unique choice. Joby Topaki. I I think Elvis would have been a boring winner. So I'm glad that they went with Black Panther. This was the moment where I was like, holy shit, Elvis is going zero for eight. (laughs) Yeah. Because like I still expected that Elvis would win here. Because like Black Panther lost everything everywhere at the costumes go. And I was like, if they're not gonna go for her, then is the Academy really gonna go for her? Um, but then they did in the end. I think this is a more shocking upset than production design, personally. But yeah. I mean Again, I thought the movie was mid, but like I I can't deny the costume work. Like Jesus, yeah, nobody can. It's really well done. I wouldn't agree that it was a more shocking upset than production design because, like, since Black Panther: Wakanda Forever had won at the Critics' Choice Awards and beat Elvis there, that showed to me that it had strength in this category. But that's like I I honestly might have predicted it if it didn't lose the costume designer guild to everything everywhere that was oh, the yeah. only I mean, thing that wasn't having me predict it yeah um and i also thought everything everywhere did have a chance but i did not i i didn't pull the trigger on that i didn't think it was going to win 10 of 11 of its categories um yeah i mean i don't really think we have anything else to say about about this you know it's great that we finally have a black woman who's won two oscars insane that it's now yeah now such a strange i don't know it's all right then the next category i mean antonio banderas and sama hayek uh, came out to present uh, Best International Feature Film, which, no surprise, went to Invest in Nix Noyes. I mean, yeah. This is a German translation for All Quiet on the Western Front, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to say about this one. It was so it, obvious from the start. Yeah, I mean. There's what, never been. What was uh, even the, the runner-up? Uh, Best Picture nominee. I mean, maybe Argentina because it won the Globe. I'm inclined to believe it was The Quiet Girl because it got into a non-juried screenplay category at BAFTA. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also a very European movie. Like, I don't know. I I think it would have been Argentina. As I said. Or maybe BAFTA does not have zero influence. They were holding a lot of screenings for that here. Like, I was getting emails every week. Come to Lincoln Center. Watch Argentina 1985 with a Q&A. Like, mm-hmm. they were really campaigning. But, 
Yeah, that I mean, and I feel like Close was the other one that got a big campaign. If Decision to Leave was nominated, that might be the runner-up, but... I don't know, man. I I just, I don't think that Decision to Leave had the um, emotional pull to win or well, be the so... runner-up. Like, if, if All Quiet wasn't nominated for Best Picture, I think Close really could have pulled off a win. Oh, oh I was predicting that for, for a time. You and I both were. I think you convinced me to do yeah. it, actually. Um, well, because it's 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 a film that I think a lot of voters could feel good about voting for. It reminds me of um, A Fantastic Woman. But yeah. obviously that doesn't happen when you have All Quiet nominated for Best Picture. Right, Anything. right. Like, if All Quiet wasn't nominated for Picture and we had the same lineup, I would have probably seriously considered predicting close. But, um... Yeah, if if All Quiet also missed all the other categories that it was in, right? Well, that, yeah. I mean, if it was a leving, level playing field where all of them had one nomination, then I'd predict close. But otherwise, like, All Quiet just had visibility here. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on. <laughs> I mean, that was easy. EO should have won, but whatever. It was fine. Um, so then Elizabeth Olsen and Pedro Pascal come out to present the award for documentary short film and animated short film. And this is where my predictions go down the shitter. The Elephant Whisperers takes documentary short film. And in the moment, I was like, I wasn't shocked. But I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, thank Christ, Stranger Gate didn't win. <laughs> and The Elephant Whispers is the first Indian production to win an Oscar. It's also the first nature documentary to win in this category since 1968, which is why I wasn't predicting it. That's the year my mom Because was I was like, I was like, yo, I get that Elephant Whisperers is you know ranked as the highest odds on gold derby i get that it's a good film that has a lot of visibility because of netflix but they don't go with films like this like i don't blame myself for for not picking this as the winner because i don't just, either like the stats were against it yeah i i mean stats is as far as you can think about stats for uh <laughs> for short films um Stranger at the Gate felt more like a winner than the Elephant Whispers did. Like the Elephant Whispers had like cute elephants, which, you know, I mean, to the movie's credit, the elephants are fucking adorable. Um, but, you know, it almost felt kind of slight. Stranger at the Gate felt like it was more like this has more weight to it that people could, that could bring people to go to go for it. Again, I, I don't think, you know, if you were predicting the Elephant Whispers, I think, I, like, I didn't think that was unreasonable. But at the same time, like, I just, I was really kind of expecting Stranger at the Gate. And I was almost going to super uh, put my super bet on that on Gold Derby, but the movie, but the Gold Derby closed before I remembered to do it. So, yeah. I did have it on uh, on that. That was where my super bet was unfortunately well i'm just glad i wasn't going to use it on the next one for animated short film because 
they went with the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. And I feel like, and that's the one where I feel like a fucking idiot for not for, for not, going, was not going for that one. My Same. Least, my least favorite win of the night. If I'm it was. Honest. It's so fucking mid. Like I'm sorry. It's so fucking bad. It is so bad. Whenever they speak, I laughed. It's like it's fortune. It's fortune cookie writing. It it is insane how this won an Oscar. Apple is just they monopolizing. Bought it. They bought it. They can just pay and win an award. Like ridiculous. Like no, there were three short films in this category that were genuinely incredible. I mean, my and favorite was Ice Merchants, but. Ice Merchants, The Ostrich, and uh, My Year of Dicks. I thought all of them were incredible. Sam, you're going to hate me for this. My Year of Dicks and um, and an Ostrich were my two least favorite in the category and were probably in my bottom five of all the nominees in any category. Like, I, I couldn't get into those. I watched them multiple times, didn't like them. What? Wow. That yeah, is... I, I know. I, I wish that I did, but... I thought that my year of dicks was uh, I I just found it to be chaotic and messy and like there were so many things about it that just really didn't work for me and part of that is probably like hey I just couldn't identify with the story or the character but at the same time I also just like I didn't find it funny or I like I didn't get what I saw what it was trying to do and I just didn't get it. It didn't hit me. Uh, and an ostrich, I just wasn't impressed by like the whole meta aspect of it. I thought that it really thought it was much more original and creative than it actually was. Uh, and again, the humor didn't work for me. So both of those were um, were not for me. And I will defend uh, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. It is horny as hell. But it's a movie that's very clearly, it's like a bedtime story made for kids. Um, and that's why I thought it wouldn't win, is because it, it's so, so made for kids that I was like, it just doesn't seem like something that a group of adults would vote for. But I guess Apple has the campaigning power. They but like, I don't have a problem with that movie. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have a problem yeah, with that movie with because we're not the audience for it. Well... But like, like I think it's it's beautifully animated. It's well done. For it is what well it animated. Is. I'll agree with that. It's well animated. It's well done for what it is, and it has its target audience in mind. It knows that it's for children. It knows that it's for kids between the ages of four and six years old. It tries to give good messages in that time, like in its runtime, and be cute and deliver on what it is. Like I, it, I think unashamedly knows the type of movie that it is and it's not made for us and honestly that's the why reason i didn't, why say I didn't movie... think it would win yeah hmm. I, well that's I didn't why think I... it would win because yeah. i was like oh if it's not for us it's not for the voters either well they, they didn't watch it probably they probably just were it, well they, they next time that there was a oscar nominee short film that's a 7.8 average rating on imdb i'm just automatically going to predict it now because IMDb just kind of love that movie for some reason. Um, it's because it's sweet and parents could watch it with their kids yeah. and like get a good message and you know like and that's why I don't think it's the movie just not is, for us. 
That's why I don't think the movie's absolutely terrible like Sam thinks it is. Or like, you know, Cody Cody Derrick's on the next best picture thinks it is. Oh yeah, Cody and I bonded over that. Um but um like like it does its job. It's just like it's so fucking cheesy. It's like yeah. it's, it's, no, it's it does something... its job, but its job yeah. is much less difficult than like what uh, and like I'll give my year of dicks credit. It had bigger ambitions than the boy, the mold, the fox, yeah. and the horse. It was trying to do more thematically, um, in terms of experimenting with animation. It was doing more, uh, and it was trying to be more than that movie was. But I think that the boy, the mole, succeeded at what it was trying to be, even if that wasn't exceptional in any way. Right. Um. But I don't know. Whatever. I mean. It, it, it's 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 like those movies where like they like when you're in third grade or whatever and like your teacher's out sick for a day or you know there's nothing really going on they'll put it on like the projector thing and they'll just show it to you to you know be like you know yeah this they'll is wheel in the old tv yeah oh yeah they did they did that at my old school like and they play like those it's like those short films that they'll play that's like they're they're like 40 minutes long but they're they're cutesy and they they're kitty and they have messages like Ralph S Mouse or whatever the hell just like yeah no you're right that's that is what this movie is and again like i think it's very well done for what it is it, it's just not something that we in our demographic we're going to connect with yeah it's like but... a dumbed down winnie pooh yeah <laughs> that's a good way of putting it i kind of love winnie the pooh oh i love winnie the pooh and that's why this is a dumbed down winnie the pooh that's true yeah. it wishes it was winnie the pooh I'm sorry, like, I get that it's sweet and it's for kids, but I still fucking hate this short so much, and I and I, like, groaned when it won. It's just, I, I'm sorry, like, I, I'm, I'm, I feel bad that you couldn't enjoy An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It, which is maybe the best title of any Oscar-nominated movie ever. I mean, it is a really I good also, title. like, it it to me it was like Wallace and Gromit mixed with Severance, and that's a good um, description. I, that is I, can really good. That. I, I can see that. I, I thought it was incredible. It's a good short. Yeah, no, I I wish that I liked it, and I wish that I liked my year of dicks because I saw that they were they were trying to do so much more than so many other animated shorts. This is my favorite category at the Oscars because I like. I really love, love that this category you see filmmakers with no um, monetary interest in it. Like, no one makes an animated short trying to make money off of it. And that's why this is my favorite category. Because it's so... Like, it is just about making something creative and different and unique. So, like, I've watched every single winner in this category across every year that this category has existed because I just love... Jesus the type of movie that comes out of this category. God damn. Have you seen a lot of the nominees? Um, I mean, at some point, I want to track down all of the nominees across every year of this category. Because, like, again, this uh, 
this is always the category I get most excited about when the shortlist comes out because I track down all of those and there's always so many just like brilliant short films in there that don't end up getting nominated. But I just love watching them because the thing that you see here constantly is that like you see animators doing what animators want to do when they don't have to put out 30 seconds a week and like, you know, um, sell toys to kids who love minions right like yeah. this is the category where you see animators doing what they want to do rather than what they have to do yeah so yeah i i, I mean all that to say i really wish that i connected with an ostrich in my year of dicks because i really respect the type of movie that they are and what they're trying to do um but yeah like i don't know i i feel bad that i didn't like them I just wish Ice Merchants, Ice Merchants won. Uh, yeah, I really wish Ice Merchants won. That, that was that, a that, brilliant film. Like, uh, yeah, that was easily my favorite of these. Just, ah, so good. Um, <clears throat> then, <laughs> I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, Hugh Grant and Annie McDowell uh, present the award for Best Production Design to all quiet on the western front and i think it was at this point that everyone started freaking out and it was like holy shit is all quite gonna win best picture is is pete hammond gonna be right it was less best picture for me at this point and more sarah polly hey. i was like oh my god sarah polly needs this like how dare you edward Berger? and i like all quiet but I was for a moment there. I was ready to. Oh my god! I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Like I wasn't even thinking about picture. I was just thinking about women talking. Same. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I can see why it won. They had a budget of twenty million and was were able to build miles of trenches. And it wasn't like nineteen seventeen where it was just the trenches. They also did have have like the, the government officials. And the executives, and those were like really in like well decorated rooms, but Babylon is yeah, like that's that's the thing, the definitive like pr production design winner, like ridiculous to me that that didn't win. Look, I, I mean, mean, yeah, all quiet's my pick in this category. And George, we talked about this earlier today, but I yeah. think that the way that Babylon was shot kind of got in the way of it being the production design winner here i don't agree uh, um, well, well i mean i don't know like personally i think that uh i don't know i think there was a lot of scenes that it didn't emphasize the production design enough i don't know but like you can't argue that the party scene and the um the studio scene where all of the different sets are out in the desert you can't argue that that's not the best production design of the year it's just i think all quiet was maybe more consistent through the whole film that's the thing about it is is that like all quiet i don't hate the win in a vacuum like i was talking about this with yeah. sam yesterday i don't like in a vacuum i think the wind's fine like it is impressive work it's just that like when you're up against Babylon 
and I really, I really don't think that the way it's shot like hinders the production design. I don't necessarily think that that's the way voters saw it, because like I heard similar complaints about Mank when that came out, and that movie fucking swept production design. I think I, I, I don't even remember what else won an award in that category all year. Um, and I thought Babylon's production design was even more impressive than Mank's. So it's just kind of strange. I think the reason why. The only reason why Babylon lost was because it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. And because people didn't like the movie, so they refused to yeah, vote for it. That's something that a lot of pundits said. They said voters hated Babylon. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll just give a little bit more of my perspective as someone who's not very hot on Babylon. And it's that so much of the movie takes place in the desert with just like I at least the first time I watched I kind of walked away not very impressed by the production design because of how dusty everything was how dilapidated everything looked uh and that's part of the effect of the movie it's sort of this crumbling empire that is Hollywood but I didn't walk away the first time very impressed by the look of the film in terms of the production design um because again so much of it is just dusty emptiness in the desert um and like i said the studio set scene brilliant the party scene brilliant but outside of that the production design didn't make an impact on me and i'm sure it would make even less of an impact on me if i just fucking hated the movie and everything about it yeah i don't know i guess but i don't i like i like a lot of bits of it uh and especially the score like i i just don't see how even if you hate the movie you wouldn't be able to acknowledge that that score is incredible <sighs> well i guess that brings us into our next category because Babylon is also the same film and score how do you not vote blah, blah, blah. Like, i know the all quiet score is more than that but like you know it's a good meme it's so bad that that one <sighs> If it had been, if it had won against, I don't, I don't fucking know, Dune or some shit. Like, well, it, it's kind of a knockoff Hans Zimmer, so I don't know if I'd be okay with that. Um, if it had won against some weaker score score nominees, then like, okay, whatever. But like, Babylon's got the like, it's so fucking catchy and it's such an earworm and it's just so fucking good i've never heard a score like the way that the score like i don't even know how to describe it like you can listen to that entire score and like like play the entire narrative of that movie in your head as you listen to it in such a like memorable way and it makes me feel so many emotions, especially like Manny and Nelly's theme, which is the same notes as the Call Me Manny theme. They're just in different rhythms with different instruments, but they are the same theme. And that's what I think is so incredible about the score. Also, that finale track is a psychedelic, incredibly strong and 
boundary breaking track. I, I just every single track that's on that score I have listened to many times. I listen to every day. I genuinely don't understand how you can hear that score and not vote. It's just can voters please just put their opinions on the film aside for this one category where it's so undeniably amazing that I I will forever look at All Quiet's win with shame. It's so ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Would you guys like me to play devil's advocate here for why Babylon didn't win? Because I... Well, I, I mean, what I would say is that Babylon is by far the best score of the year in isolation from the movie. Uh, personally, I don't find that it enhances what the movie does. At times, I feel like it's fighting against the movie a little bit. Um, and I know that's not an opinion shared by everyone, but like this is a... I've listened to the soundtrack album multiple times, and it is flawless music. But when I watch it with the film, sometimes I feel like the score is fighting against what the visuals are trying to do. It doesn't mesh together well as something like, for me, the only score that I think I would have voted for over uh, Babylon in this category would have been Women Talking. I might have also voted for Everything Ever All at Once because I think that those two scores, while not as good, just on a solo level, like I would much rather listen to the Babylon soundtrack album than I would listen to the Women Talking soundtrack album or the Everything Ever All at Once soundtrack album. Um, the thing that sets them apart, though, is that I think that those scores really lift up what the movie is doing, whereas at times it feels like Justin Hurwitz's work on Babylon tries to fight against what the movie's doing. Um, and All Quiet does the same. The score fights against what the movie's doing, but it uses it to effect. Like, that blah, 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 you know, the the Hans Zimmer theme on uh, on All Quiet, it makes you feel uncomfortable because it is fighting against the images. Uh, and Babylon does the same, but I don't think that it has a... Like, I don't think it's trying to do that. I think it's just good music that doesn't quite fit the movie. I don't know. You guys are going to disagree with me on this because I know you like Babylon more than I do um, but that would be why I think it lost the award well I'm a bit mixed on Babylon too and I think that's pretty fair because um, that I mean the movie is a lot but so is the score and I do feel at times it does clash I, I don't think that's always the case um, but I think to appreciate you know, each moment of the score and everything that went into it, you do need to listen to it outside of the context of the movie. Um, I think if I were going to vote for a movie here, it wouldn't have been any of the movies nominated. Although, hot take, I love the Fableman score. Um, but I think uh, I would have uh, went with Batman. Uh, I know. I love I literally the literally don't I remember the, the Fableman time. score. Like, I, I watched it twice trying to remember the score, and I just don't. Really? No, the score I listened to, like, it was literally... The best music yeah, because you listen ball. to the score. This <laughs> thing you don't remember it from the movie. Look, I gave the favorite. No, I, I was singing it when I got out. 
the best song in the fableman score is first introduced five minutes from the end of the movie right like the main theme of the movie you don't hear until sammy moves to los angeles like it's so frustrating to me because if the entire score was based around this theme which it's not uh, I think it would be deserving of its soundtrack, uh, of its score nomination, and potentially even a win. It's fantastic work from John Williams, but it comes five minutes from the end of the movie. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, I, I do love the the one at the end, but I, I love the, the the piano theme too, the one that plays throughout the film, and, and, and the one that the song. Oh no, the song that plays over the editing isn't part of the score. Yeah, it's Bach. Yeah, no, that's Michelle Bach. Williams. It yeah, should yeah, have been Bach. fucking disqualified for this. If yeah, it was true. anyone, like I hate the double standard. If it was anyone who was not John Williams, it would have been disqualified. Yeah, absolutely. I know, and that's why I hate the double standard. So I don't know. I don't hate the score they, of they the just John I just Williams really car. think I it just it doesn't feel fair to me when so many amazing scores like Moonrise Kingdom uh or Arrival have been disqualified for reasons much less egregious than what they did with the famous. Yeah, Arrival being disqualified for score is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Jesus. Yeah, that was so dumb. Um, they they just suck John Williams' cock. I mean, look, <laughs> I would have liked to... There's a lot of movies that I would have liked to have seen get in here. The Batman didn't even make the top 15, and that was that score was, was incredible. Women That's talking... crazy. At the beginning of the year, we were talking about the Batman possibly winning, and then it didn't even get shortlisted. I don't know if I, I if I believe that, but yeah. Um, I mean, as Matt said, women earlier, talking, this women thing is talking, so infuriating. As a, yeah, that has an incredible score. Decision to leave also not shortlisted. Has has a great score. EO has a great score. Um, I mean, I do really love everything everywhere score, and I think the I think Banshees is a really good score too. Like the Woman are, King is are. up there for me. Did you say Tar? No, no the oh R R R, yeah R R. Oh, and the Woman King. Yeah, like there's a like there were a lot of great scores this year, and I don't even dislike the All Quiet score. Like I like it's fine, <laughs> but like it has no business winning over Babylon. <laughs> Um, I guess I'm not as mad as I would have been at the Fableman's one because, like, Christ Almighty, <laughs> I still think that was probably the most likely award that Fableman's could have won, though. At the end of the day, yeah. I don't think I don't think it came up as the runner-up in any category. Director's the only other one, yeah, that I could see, right. Um, maybe just director and even then it wasn't close no <laughs> but anyway moving off a of score because I think we kind of you know let out our frustrations about that one um, Elizabeth Banks and the cocaine bear um, do we ever find out who was in that suit I was hoping it would be Matt Damon but I don't think so okay um, Elizabeth Banks and the Cocaine Bear present the award for best visual effects, which, wow, shocker, goes to Avatar the way of water. I mean, it was locked since the movie was announced. <laughs> yep. Yeah, not much to say about this one. It's a good win because it deserves it. I mean, I like... it, it looks incredible. So, yeah. 
you really cannot deny that. Uh, but then Andrew Garfield and Florence Pugh come out to present the screenplay categories. And first they present original screenplay, which goes to everything everywhere all at once. And I'm gonna let Matt and Tristan have their moment when we get the picture. I will take the time to pat myself on the back here because number one, while I wasn't predicting it to win picture since I saw the movie, I was predicting it to win original screenplay all year and I did not move it from, that, from the number one position literally all year. And number two, even when people were saying Banshees, I didn't move it because I knew this movie was going to win both SAG and WGA and every single movie that has ever won both of those has one screenplay and it doesn't matter whether the biggest competitor in that category was ineligible or not. It's always won. See Parasite. Hollywood was not eligible for WGA. But Parasite won SAG and WGA and it won. Same thing with CODA, Power to Dog, not eligible for WGA. But CODA wins SAG and WGA and wins screenplay. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same that thing. That is unbeatable. It's ironclad. <laughs> well, the same thing happened to McDonough in 2017. Well, that's not the, the reason I predicted everything everywhere, but yeah. No, but the, the cool hip, trendy, unique movie that won Critics' Choice WGA beat the more traditional movie that won Golden Globe and BAFTA. Yeah. Um, it's that type of original high-concept winner that just... That's just what wins when it's there and when it's in picture. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. the lobster. Yeah, you deserve the all the credit for that, George. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I literally had arguments across both of our uh, Discord servers because people were like, look, WJ is not going to like George. WGA doesn't mean anything because Banshees isn't eligible. And I'm like, dude, even when the runner up is not eligible, the Sackett WGA winner fucking wins this category. I'm telling you. And also, even if Banshees was at WGA, it definitely would not have won. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wouldn't have fucking won. But that said, like, I think when people were really thinking that Banshees was going to win screenplay, it was when we weren't predicting everything everywhere to sweep the guilds. Like, we were seeing some weakness. And we were seeing, you know, maybe BAFTA's gonna, uh, gonna go with Banshees and, you know... Banshees looked stronger when people were predicting it for screenplay. Yeah. And it wasn't as strong as that. Yeah, and and at the moment when it when people were it was also starting to break out into the mainstream like the the movie did I don't know how well it did at the box office but like people were talking about it and um although it didn't have that strength in picture I think this could have been a good place to uh to honor uh, what Marty McDonough was able to accomplish with this, but at the same time, like we're honoring the most original screenplay here. Um, yeah, and it's, it's like everything you know. everywhere is just in a league of its own. And the ideas that the uh, the Daniels had, and the fact that they were able to execute them, is really incredible. And 
I know a lot of people say it's more of a directorial achievement, but I think it's a real two-hander that they mm -hmm. came up with these concepts and then were able to execute them. So I'm glad that they won this. Um, but it is sad because like I know McDonough does have an Oscar, but the guy's been putting out great work. And I like I don't know if he's gonna come out with another movie that gets this kind of um attention. But then again, I mean, I didn't think so after Three Billboards either, and he um he did it again, so we'll have to see. But I I hope he does one day get some sort of Oscar, like whether it's um, you know, for screenplay or directing, because he's he's a really talented guy. I don't feel bad at all. He didn't deserve any of his nominations for three billboards, and he didn't deserve to win this year. And he's a smug person, so I don't really. Think I mean, oh, I think he's like pretty well, nice. I I don't know. I mean, well, we can like. I mean, I know. I don't know. Like, for... me, all the other nominees just looked kind of pissed to me. Like, when everything everywhere one director, like none of them looked happy. Besides, I mean, Wow, I don't necessarily. Well, I mean, when I yeah, I was about to say like I like McDonough in particular looked like okay, sure. I don't think like Todd Field or Ruben Us Ruben Usland looked that upset. Like. Todd Field didn't stand up when Michelle or the movie won Best Picture. Yeah, just... no, Todd Field looked pissed all night long. <laughs> I, he also well, was, like, sleeping during during <laughs> one of Jimmy Kimmel's moments. And his hat was really strange. He, he was He's wearing, been wearing hat. that hat all damn season. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. And, like, it's strange either that, choice. like, that big-ass hat or, like, a baseball cap. Like, when he's, like, in the Criterion Closet video he did with Kate Blanchett, like, he was yeah. wearing a baseball cap like i don't know is he, like i don't know if he's going bald or something but like <laughs> damn um he wears that hat everywhere um he's a genius though the guy I is incredible think, i don't really think usland looked that upset though like i like i, I don't think he was expecting no. to win but no that's just he i think he puts on a show of being like upset about the oscars i don't think he cares like have you guys seen that clip from when Force Majeure didn't get the Oscar oh, yeah. nomination? Oh yeah. Where he like freaks out. It's it's all an act. It's just what he does. Like that he's he's pretending to be pissed. Um like it's it's a part of his bit. So I don't think he was actually upset. Uh he seems to be like a pretty down to earth person in he's, like just seeing his uh, his conversation with Sarah Polly. Well, oh, his conversation with Sarah Polly, I think, is yeah. really, like, interesting. Uh, it, it seems like he kind of has, like, a very laid-back approach to his art. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like he really thinks that he's the most important in the room, even though that's, like, 100% what you would feel when watching his films, is that he really thinks he's the genius of all geniuses. Um, yeah, I don't know. I um. I think that uh, Todd Field's reaction was the worst for me, like seeing him not stand up for Michelle Yeoh and like it, it just seemed like he. Was I didn't notice him not standing up for Michelle, him. but maybe I need to go back and watch I, that. I think part of it is because, um, like, he crafted that movie for Kate, and he probably knew everything that she went through to like create that character because it probably was a difficult role and difficult performance and he probably was so invested in Kate Blanchett that he he was disappointed I'm, I'm sure 
I know it, it's not a good look. He should have stood up, but um, I don't know. I think he, he maybe sat down in solidarity of Kate losing. Well, but Kate didn't even want to win. I know. Kate, Kate I know stood she up. Kate stu- she looked genuinely happy for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, but, she. Yeah, I I think Kate Blanchett voted for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, probably. she probably did. And like clearly, she could Michelle care less and, about. And Kate have both showed so. I mean, you know what? I'll talk about it when we get the actress. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was thinking for a while, as a lot of us were. Oh, well, everything everyone would screenplay, but like you know, Spielberg. Spielberg can get the director prize. You know everything or. I, I thought Todd Field could have gotten that at one point, but that that's not what ended up happening. It just went to both. It was like people kind of twisted themselves into a pretzel like they did in 2014. All right, is going to get this award. Linklater's going to get this award. Wes Anderson's going to get this award. But then it's like, no, Inuritia just take them all. So yeah, it's, it's basically the same situation. Um, and then <laughs> thank Christ though, because when adapted screenplay came, I was really like, this is going to be all quiet, isn't it? But then when Florence Pugh said women talking, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was so relieved. Oh, everyone. Everyone had a collective moment of joy there. And that's when I kind of realized all quiet didn't really pose that big of a threat, even when it won production design. Because like a lot of people were expecting it to win the other three that it won. It's just production yeah. design was and it didn't one even shot. Sound. Yeah, it didn't yeah. sound. Yeah. Um, but of course, Women Talking was the movie that deserved all along. And it was really just a matter of did people actually sit down and watch the film? Turns out they did. And also, Sarah Pauly is a very respected person. She's been around a while. She's been nominated for screenplay before. So she's acted in movies before too. Like yeah, exactly. Like um, she is the, the movie... coolest person. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you yeah. fucking met her. <laughs> like yeah, she's so nice. Um, I will say, uh, if you want to see some of her work as an actress, because she doesn't act anymore, um. I would check out the movie Exotica by Adam Ago- by Adam Agoyan. I, I have a hard time pronouncing his name. Um, she's 14 in that movie, but she's like one of the best performances in that movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of insane. And another film by that same director, The Sweet Hereafter, which actually was nominated for adapted screenplay and I think director as well. Like she's got a bigger part in that film and she's 17 in it. And yeah, I mean, she's really fucking good. And and now she, she was cast as Penny Lane in Almost Famous. And then no, defined. she was originally going to play it and then she dropped out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm reading her book right now and it's legitimately one of the best books I've read in my entire life. I need to play yeah, it. Yeah, it's incredible. It has made me... It's made me laugh. It's made me cry. It has moved me like so deeply in a similar way to like how women talking hit me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a big Sarah Pauly stan. I, I think that her work uh, is incredible across all mediums. And, and the thing that I 
both really respect about Sarah Pauly and I'm kind of like sad about is that because she's so talented across so many different fields, it becomes a little bit like, it's a bit sad that she will never like put out a movie every few years because she's doing so many projects across so many different art forms that like, she's not going to be a consistent filmmaker who we can like expect to see a film from every few years because she's doing other stuff. And I'm I want so, more Sarah Pauly movies. I'm just really glad that she has an Oscar. Um, and I told the chat, I said, look, if, if Sarah Pauly wins on Sunday night, she's going on the fucking cover. Go look on Spotify right now. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so happy about it. Yeah. You guys hear that her, uh, she's developing her new project about awards season. Oh yeah. Really? Really? That's going to be fun. Her her new film is about the awards race. She was joking about it with the Daniels at one point and they thought it was a joke. And she's like, no, I'm like, I'm being fully serious. This is what I'm working on. This was part of her conversation with Ruben Usland as well, is that uh, she was really inspired by how open he is about talking with projects that he's developing at the moment like she she was saying that she finds a lot of filmmakers are so protective of their ideas uh and she was inspired by the fact that he was like openly talking about his next few films and she was like okay so i'll talk about mine actually side note i'm trying to land a sarah Pauly interview for my youtube channel uh at this summer and i oh think she God. might do it because she's like she seems really fascinated by the politics of the awards race. Yeah. And she's, again, she's writing a movie about it. Yeah. And I want to come on this show. She's very open to like talking to like Toronto critics, um, yes. or, Ontario critics, Canadians in general. Like my friend Jamie Revenal. Um, oh, he, I know. Uh, him. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, um, we, Canadian, we follow right? each other on social media and like, I, I think I've met him like once or twice, but yeah, he's he just shows up at like every single TIFF screening. Yeah. Like you can always spot Jamie Rebinall in any room. Yeah. Uh, like he's definitely got yeah. a presence. Like everyone kind of knows him. But um yeah. he uh he lives um well actually I'll same same city as me, basically. Yeah. Um not gonna dox Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to dox him. But uh we're we're the only uh the only two like people in the critic sphere in that area so that's kind of how i know him pretty well but um he's yeah he got like a a long interview with her and said that she was outstanding and really open and just like the the nicest person um and no, yeah true. he's yeah she's she also just like loves to support like fellow canadians so i think mm-hmm. if you ask her she definitely would yeah, well, that's what happened with my film festival is we we reached out to her in like July and we were saying, oh, we want to do a screening of Away From Her and have you come talk. Uh, this was before we'd locked Women Talking as a film for the festival, so we didn't know we'd have it. Uh, and we never heard back from her um, or her representative. So we were like, okay, so we're not scheduling Away From Her because we don't have a Q&A. And then literally the week of our festival, we get an email from her publicist being like, Hey there, uh, Sarah Pauly has reserved this evening for you guys um, for your screening of Away From Her. And we're like, oh, well, we're not doing that, uh, but we'll take the interview. 
uh, and we were playing women talking so we like we managed to get it done um but yeah like when when she got on the call the first thing she said is oh i like i looked up your festival and i so wish i could be there like if it was any weekend other than this one i would be there and actually like if you want me there next year i'm there i'm there in a second i'd love to be there that's amazing so, awesome. she's so nice um uh, what I was talking to, cause I was so nervous for the interview. I was talking to Sheila, who's in women talking. I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous to meet Sarah Polly. She seems so like intimidating. And what Sheila said, which I, I find to be true is that Sarah Polly is the most extraordinary, ordinary person. Yeah. That's... That describes her perfectly. <laughs> I love her Instagram account too. Just like, same. yeah. Mm -hmm. She's like, she's been a beacon of like, light and humor through all the the shitty politics of award season like she's just been so funny to um follow through the entire craziness of the oscars yeah and we love her for it <clears throat> all right well <laughs> moving on from screenplay uh, Kate Hudson and Janelle Monet present the award for best sound to Top Gun Maverick. This it's might sound very strange. I'm not the biggest Top Gun fan. I enjoy the film, but I don't like love it. Same. But I actually cheered when this won because I needed. I I I'm I'm sorry. It's just like during the ceremony, all quiet became the villain. And I was so scared that it was going to win adapted screenplay that when Top Gun won this, I was like genuinely so happy. It's also I actually would have voted for Top Gun. Like, I don't again. Like, I don't love it, but like this is the one category that I can completely get behind it winning. Yeah, it's got pretty incredible sound design. Like, I remember seeing that in IMAX, and it was just like such an immersive experience. Well, I, I what I will say is that I remember when um, it's like when Women Talking won adapted. I was like, I, I stopped being worried about all quite. I was like, okay, well, no matter what else it wins from here on out, it's done. Um, and and lo and behold, it um, lost sound. And I mean, I guess it just makes sense. Top Gun. This was going to be the Top Gun Award, destined to be the Top Gun Award kind of all year. So, I mean, ultimately, it makes sense. Um, it's kind of like the one kind of consolation prize for the film to show, hey, we did really like your movie this year. We like these other movies more, but, you know, we do love Top Gun. So, you know, you do get um, recognition for your sound work and yeah that's cool um it, it's funny because that that was like the only thing my dad said to me after the oscars he was like man top gun didn't get nothing i was like well it got sound and he's like yeah but that's like the one thing it's like a consolation thing and blah 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 um i find that funny that that was the one thing my dad said to me <laughs> about about the oscars <laughs> no, nothing about everything everywhere nothing about um, all quiet all quiet a movie that he actually has seen um but yeah just just the fact that top gun only got one award yeah i think top gun was one that like um a lot of older audiences who weren't as tuned into the oscars in recent years 
they they were paying attention just because that movie it it cast such like a large shadow and like so many people saw it and enjoyed it and even though it's not like a traditional oscar nominee in a lot of ways um it also at the same time kind of feels like what they used to award and uh i, f- I feel like a lot of people were really rooting for it that you know watched the oscars in the 80s and the 90s and yeah so it was nice to see that get at least one one award yeah, yeah. spot on yeah i mean yeah it's just like um like i mean my dad doesn't really follow <laughs> the oscar race i think you know, the only things he knows about it are from me um and like you know sometimes he'll listen to the radio and people will be talking about it and uh yeah i mean you know it, it's the top gun award and you know people pe- i guess maybe there was a world where it could have won more um, if the, if the Jeff Snyder's of the world were right in another universe and had won PGA or some shit, then like you know, so it could have won something else. But well, let us just remember when it seemed like Top Gun was gonna win both um, sound and editing. And I remember saying, oh, the only way Top Gun loses editing is if All Quiet takes sound. Uh, and so there was a point in the season where I was actively rooting against Top Gun. <laughs> when I was rooting against Top Gun for sound because I was like, I want everything everywhere to win editing. And the only way I see the sound stat breaking is if Top Gun loses. Which, to you know, be honest... It's nice I... to have it both ways. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, though, I didn't really think that because, well, yes, winning editing, being nominated or winning sound is important to win editing. It's even more important for a sound winner to be nominated in editing. And Top Gun, yeah. Top Gun and Elvis were the only two that had crossover there. And even in like the years where like, a uh, um, a sound winner didn't win editing, like like an editing winner didn't win sound, like like an Argo. I mean, Zero Dark Thirty won sound editing. That was nominated for editing. Um, I, I I don't remember if Les Mis was nominated for editing or not. Um, and I guess Inception and Inception won both, and it wasn't. But like you know, um. Oh, what one sound in the fucking crash year? Was it um was it walk the line? No. Oh, I, I don't remember. But like the point I'm trying to make is that even in like those years where like an editing winner doesn't win sound or isn't nominated for sound, the sound winner will be nominated for editing, probably. So Ultimately, I d- I don't I didn't really think that mattered that much, especially since the movie that did eventually win editing did win Best Picture, like The Departed, and like Crash. Exactly. Yeah, the last movie that won editing 
and didn't have a sound nomination and also didn't win best picture was traffic so over like before i was born <laughs> basically so i i mean really i i really don't think that mattered all that much um i i don't know i think that the sound and editing stat really does matter because like i mean it like matters we see I mean, it, it was pretty unbreakable. Dune lost every single editing award, and mm -hmm. it still won the Oscar because it had sound. I right? mean, Sound of Metal won the Oscar entirely based on the fact that it won sound. Like, that's why it won editing. I mean, um, I think Sound of Metal also Both has of very those years, editing. I was expecting. Yeah, but like, I do think that it won on the back of the sound of the film. Uh, and the way that the editing kind of goes together with it. I don't know, man. Like, I I am not going to predict the sound editing stat to uh, to break again next year. I'm just not going to. Well, yeah, that. I mean, just because it, but... bro it broke this year doesn't mean that it will, it will, it, it will break. No, but also, of like, not. look at the editing itself. Everything Everywhere has the flashiest of course. editing. Yeah. yeah. Top Gun's editing, it, it always felt weird to me that that was so big a contender. It, it's not flashy in the way that everything else everywhere is. Well, no, that movie well, like shows you it's editing. But the thing with Top Gun's editing is that it has the whole narrative around how much, how many hours of footage they have right. to use, and how it all comes together, and how they edit it together in a very clear and concise way. That like even though there's so many threads of these edits. Um, it all just meshes together perfectly. I don't know. Like, I think that really what it comes down to is when we see these stats break this year, every single one of the stats that were broken in relation to, like, the sound and editing stat or the actor picture stat, it's these stats break because there's passion. Exactly. And, and the passion is what breaks the stat. So uh, everything ever all at once, if it wasn't the best picture winner, Top Gun would have won editing. I do believe that. Yeah, it, it, that makes sense. But I mean, I do think Dune also. I mean, going partly one editing. Like, I mean, going back to the whole conversation we had about Jamie Lee Curtis. I think part of the reason it did win editing was because it was the biggest best picture contender of the of the group, aside from Power of the Dog. So yeah. Yeah, very possibly. Uh, I, I mean, I think it was just because it was it was big and loud, and they they award movies like that. I at the time of the Oscars last year, I was picking um, King Richard as mine because it won the ACE award. And again, like Dune lost everything. It lost Critics' Choice. It lost BAFTA. It lost ACE, and then it some wins the Oscar. And that to me just showed, wow, like this sound stat is ironclad. It is strong. Uh, and that's why I was so hesitant for so long about everything everywhere. Uh, and I'm so glad it won this prize for editing. Yeah, of course. And I I do, like, I, I did not use this in my reasoning for predicting everything everywhere to win editing, but I do think that if there were two sound categories, everything ever would have been nominated in sound editing. Uh, yeah, that's possible. It I mean, I think everything ever was number six in sound nominations. I mean, yes, of course it was. Like, I, I don't know. I don't like, see any. It could have been there. Yeah. But my point is, like, if 
there were two sound categories. I think it would have gotten the sound editing and I guess um, Elvis would have um, missed and gotten the mixing. Yeah, That's my I theory. Can see yeah. that. And... Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that would be a, a good nomination. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, the and then the uh, the other two, the same two presenters presented best original song, which went to uh, Not to Not to from RRR. And uh, you may Incredible. have noticed that I did not talk about the performances, and that's because I was kind of holding them off till we got to here. Um, I don't really have that much to say about them. Um, I unfortunately, I mean, I like this song. I mean, I think in terms of the song, it's actually worse. But I unfortunately have to admit the performance for applause was better than the performance for This Is A Life. Yeah. Yeah. The, the This Is The Life um, kind of reminded me of like some of the worst SNL um, performances yeah. that we've seen. It, it was almost like they weren't like the acoustics. They didn't rehearse. They it's hearing. like they didn't rehearse. No, like, like this, like the. They definitely didn't rehearse. The, um, it sounded so like off key, like every single note yeah i think maybe what happened was that mitski was supposed to come and sing it and she had to cancel last minute no. so they got stephanie in there and mitski um first of all mitski is a very private individual she doesn't go to award shows she you know i think she's also still on tour so you know like i mean she's just a very yeah. private person and also, the problem wasn't Stephanie Hsu. The problem, and again, I hate to admit this because I fucking love the guy, the problem was David Byrne. He yeah. was really uh, off-key. I think Stephanie was just as bad. I think they were both pretty bad. Stephanie was fine. Stephanie was fine. Uh, I don't think. I think they were both atrocious, and they were both singing in different keys, and it was just it was And so different bad tempos. Yeah. I think Stephanie was trying to get them together. I think part of her performance not being great was that you could tell she was trying to slow down to match whatever the hell David Byrne was trying to do. Um, because, like, he was he was going at the wrong tempo for the song. Uh, and I think that the whole performance suffered because you could tell she was trying to get on whatever he was doing. And everything fell apart because of that. It was it was a off performance. And yeah. like part of it is, I guess I can't give uh Stephanie too much um crap because the thing is like David Byrne has never been uh best when it's come to um duets. He's done some great ones with like St. Vincent, but he goes at the beat of his own drum and he's an amazing musician, but he's very much in his like own lane and it's hard to match what he's doing because he just he does whatever feels right he he's not like a technical vocalist in the way that um you know a lot of the other nominees were um so i think that's kind of why that didn't work out too much but i i, I love also, the song just the performance was bad i also think stephanie's voice register is a little too high for the song like she's also Broadway and he's talking heads. So like they don't Yeah, I mesh. mean that's that's part of it, but I mean I mean David Byrne has done Broadway with uh American Utopia. 
Yeah, but, but that's um, not Broadway. That's yeah. that's a concert. Yeah, I mean, that just happened concert. to be on Broadway. Sure. Um, Stephanie, I mean, because I mean, Mitski is like a is like a tenor or a berry or a baritone. Like, you know, she has a very low voice register when she sings, and it works in This Is a Life. Stephanie Shu is like an alto, you know, and her voice register is naturally very high. Um, it's not squeaky, but it's high. So, like, it doesn't exactly work in that way. Um, David Byrne's voice registers, you know, was fine. It's just the problem is he 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 was singing in a completely different key. Um, I, th- I think the problem with Stephanie's voice register, and I don't know who else they could have gotten that would have that would have had a similar voice register, because as I said, like. You know, Mitski doesn't go doesn't go to award shows, so like, yeah, I really can't. Was Mitski of... not on like Jimmy Fallon though? Like, I know she's private, but I, I mean, feel like she. Talk shows are a different thing than like award shows. Like, like, like Kendrick Lamar also does not go to award shows. Like, he famous like famously, all the stars was not well performed at the Oscars because Kendrick Lamar just doesn't just just doesn't go to them. But he still does concerts he, and he, he still w- does interviews. He still does, um, you know, things like yeah, that. He does the Grammys. He yeah, he was at, at the, the Grammys. Grammys. Yeah, he the he's Grammys. done the Grammys like multiple times and he, he accepted his award this time. I think he often goes when he <laughs> knows he's going to win. I, that, I love Kendrick, but I, I think he's he's one of those guys who goes when he, he knows he's going to win. Okay, well, I mean, the point is like talk shows are still different than award shows. Is like my, yeah. my my overarching point. Um, yeah, but again, I don't know who else they could have gotten to replace Mitski, but yeah, it was not a good performance. Um, I think it's also it's tough to be a nominee and then also having to get up on stage. Like you're already so worried about how the night is going to go, and you don't have a ton of time to rehearse because you have to get ready for the the show and you have to walk the red carpet and do all of the things it, it's just a misguided i it didn't feel like the right choice to put stephanie Shu up there as much as it was cool to see her do it um and as much as she is a broadway performer it just i don't know i, I think that they should have just let her have her evening um and not have to lump that on because i wouldn't be surprised if they actually did not rehearse it yeah or rehearsed it once um, I will say though the presentation of that performance was cool because you know you you saw the bagel in the background. David Byrne had the hot dog fingers, and <clears throat> there were dancers that were dressed in the garments from the bagel temple scene. Yeah, it, that was cool. Um, the best performance of the songs. I mean, I'm inclined to say "Not to, Not to" from was was the best performance because it is the best song in here. But I did think the performance for "Lift Me Up" was, even though I don't like the song as much, I thought the performance was really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought Gaga was good too. Obviously, the camera was a little close, but that's Gaga. Yeah, yeah. That, that oh. that's another that's another one. Like I I don't I'm not high on the song. I think it's bland, but I but I like the presentation of the I like the performance. It's an um, interesting choice. I I respect yeah. Gaga for going in that direction. 
Yeah. And also, Gaga looked really happy when Natu Natu won. And obviously, I mean, I Diane think she Warren... knew she wasn't winning. So, like, no, no, I know, but she like got up and cheered. Diane Warren sat there and made no expression. I mean, come on, bitch. Did you really fucking think <laughs> she you were did it last year, that? too? Like... When No Time to Die won, she no, just like, sat shut there up. like, <laughs> Rihanna also didn't really seem thrilled. Like, whatever. Um, I, I think when are we going to investigate Diane Warren? When are we? Yeah. We investigated oh, oh, Andrea Rice. Oh, by the way, yeah. Diane Warren does exactly what I'm not going to say Andrea Riseborough did it because she didn't. Diane Warren does what whoever the campaign manager of Andrea Riseborough does every fucking year. It's, it's never, the same. Hold on. Do you guys remember when? Alone yet not alone happened. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I I wasn't there to witness it, but I heard the story. It was hilarious. Yeah. That's what Diane Warren has done every single year. And she's that's never what she done. does. Well, you can also say she 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 calls up all of her friends in the branch and goes, well, "You guys owe me a favor. Vote for me." She just like... sleeps with all the people in the branch too. <laughs> Um, sorry to make a joke that was crass like that, but um, uh, I mean, I was on Neglia's um, Patreon Zoom, <laughs> and he said that he got signed sheet music for the song from Tell It Like a Woman as like a campaign thing. It's like a crap. That is so cocky. Like, yeah, who like really wants like Diane come on, man. <laughs> And the song is terrible too. Like, like obviously it's using a really in really poor taste in the actual movie, but the song is bad. She's just like not a great songwriter. It's like very faux inspirational stuff that doesn't really have any meaning. And like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like her her songwriting just gets more generic by the year. Yeah, and she should have won in nineteen ninety six. For what was it again? Um. Don't uh, don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon, the Aerosmith yeah, song. Yeah, that that was her best, and even it that is, one. It like... is that's that's a classic. Oh, there song, is a song though. that she wrote with Lady Gaga that was really good. Oh, um, oh, till it... it happens to you. Yeah, yeah, that I would have been. Oh yeah, I remember watching the Oscars that year, and I was like, oh, that song is really that performance was pretty awesome, and the Spectre yeah. song, I was like, this is awkward, <laughs> and then Spectre won, and I was like, well. Um. Yeah. Anyway, um, not two, not two, one, and Good. yeah, <laughs> that was obviously the best one. When there, um, to all the people who thought it was gonna be lift me up or hold my hand, I. What can I say? I told you so. I guess. Oh, I'm just looking like some of the songs that she did right. Um, she wrote, you know that song, Rhythm of the Heart? Like the 80s song? No. Oh, it was in The Disaster Artist. Um, sorry, that's, that's, that's why I don't know the song. Then, <laughs> uh, Well, it's it's not from The Disaster Artist, but it was in it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know, I know what thing. you're saying. I know what you're saying. Maybe I'll go back and listen to it yeah. after this, but whatever. She did write a lot of songs. Wow, interesting. Um... Anyway, Zoe Saldana and Sigourney Weaver came out and presented 
film editing to everything everywhere we all we all knew that was happening we kind of already talked about it is so hot yeah i I have to yeah i mean oh my god wait who the editor of everything everywhere all at once yeah he's like uh, literally are behind a computer you're behind a fucking computer screen all day why do you get to look like that (laughs) the moment that he said um thank you to my wife i think we all were like fuck (laughs) Um, and apparently he has kids too so even more fuck Um, what I will also say is really fucking cool is that the Oscar winner for best film editing this year edited more than one episode of the Eric Andre show oh my god yeah that was basically what he did before this yeah, it's that's really fucking cool. Like, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm biased because I, I love Eric Andre and I love the show. I, I find him hilarious. Um, but I just find it really cool that the editor of the Eric Andre show is on the same list of Oscar winners as like Thelma Schoonmacher and uh, Joe Walker and all you know and all these you know famous editors. Um. Yeah, it's really, it, it's it's really fucking hilarious. And like, I, I mean, I've talked before about how I often will think about how these people who, you know, win, who do these, who write these scripts, direct these movies, act in these, act in these, in these um, movies, give these performances, they eventually like, if either we, they're kind of fresh faces to us, or um, there are people who we've known for a long time and haven't gotten that recognition and are now getting that recognition to be on like the same list of Oscar winners as like this famous person or that famous person, you know? And that's kind of how I feel about the Daniels, you know, this year. Um, but in film editing, the, the, the iron, the thing for me is that like the editor of the fucking Eric Andre show is an Oscar winning editor. I just think that is both hilarious and awesome. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, and Paul Rogers may never be Oscar nominated again, but it's just so cool and I think it shows a changing of the tides in terms of like like film editing in the digital era has changed so much. Uh and the the things that can be done as an editor mm-hmm. have changed. And it's really nice to see something that's so emblematic of that change, so uh, frantic, so like YouTube video editing, uh, something like that can win this. But like it totally works. So so cool. Oh, it it works, but it's like I think it works especially well because we're all familiar with the type of stuff that it's aping off of, which isn't just classical cinema. It's also like really paying tribute to. Viral videos and like just mm-hmm. internet culture, the stuff that we've all been surrounded by oh, for yeah, like 20 absolutely. years now. Yeah. Also, fun fact um, this is the first movie to first uh, movie to win best film editing that was edited in Adobe Premiere Pro. Because, really? like, the, uh, not even, 
not a David Fincher because he always uses Premiere. And I, I uh, thought Finch. I mean, well, Fincher used Final Cut Pro, didn't he? I am gonna have to look. I'm pretty sure he's like. Adobe's I know for Zodiac. I know. I know for Zodiac, he used Final Cut Pro. Um, I don't know about Social Network or um, Dragon Tattoo. Um, but yeah, like I, I saw someone say that Everything Ever was the first movie edited in Adobe uh, Adobe Premiere, um, hmm. which is like, I, I mean, the industry standard is like Avid or something, right? Yeah, but editors hate Avid. Oh, I know. Like, I mean, they've just, just like, like it's just the one thing that people use. Like, I think. Some... Okay, so. I'm I'm looking it up right now. So on the social network and the girl with the dragon tattoo, um, they used both Premiere Pro and Final Cut. Okay, so um, they went back and forth. Then Everything Everywhere is the first movie to win that was edited entirely in Premiere. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that that that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's just something that like. You know, it's something to point out. Um, and and then the next step is you know, a film editing winner to be edited in iMovie, which will probably never happen, but maybe someday. Never say never. Neil Breen's got a new movie coming out this oh year. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> Best Picture winner. Oh wait, seriously? Oh my god! Yes. I'm hyped. That's gonna be fantastic. Where are you? 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 Oh my god, I love I'm it. just saying Neil Breen fits what the Academy looks for in a best picture winner. We could see Neil Breen win. Neil Breen. Hey, if he actually comes out with something best picture, season. best actor, best director, best original screenplay. Best film editing. Best catering. <laughs> the most Oscars for any person of one night. Yeah, because he, he does everything on his film. <laughs> he beats Walt Disney for the record. Oh my god. Anyway. Then um, Idris Elba and uh, Nicole Kidman come out to present the award for Best Director, which, of course goes to Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. I genuine mean, question. Yes. Is Daniel Kwan the hottest best director winner ever? I mean No, Daniel Shiner. No, Jack. Daniel Shiner. I mean, I don't think Daniel Shiner is attractive, but I mean his fashion sense. I think Daniel Kwan is attractive. Yeah. I, I mean the Daniels were dripping at the Oscars, I gotta say. Um, yeah. I love that Daniel Kwan's uh, suit was modeled after Evelyn's jacket at the uh, yes. Chinese New Year's party scene. And apparently the costume designer of the movie designed their suits, too. So, I, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's very cool. Um, I love Daniel Kwan saying that drag is a threat to nobody in his speech. You know that was very cool. I bet that was a that was partly a reference to my state, 
banning drag shows. <laughs> Fun fact. Oh, that absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, my governor, after he signed that law, someone released a photo of my governor dressed in drag. <laughs> I'll send you I'll send you, I'll send you the photo after. It, you it's, couldn't it's write something better than that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's 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 true. It's a real photo of my governor, Bill Lee, in drag. Look it up. Bill Lee drag. Oh no, I know. I saw the news articles about it and the hypocrisy and the thing that the I mean, this isn't a political podcast, but the thing that the right wing will always say is, oh, but but that's just a joke. That's not that's not sexual to which it's like okay but like you guys are the ones saying that like no one is over on the left saying that drag shows are explicitly sexual whereas like that just seems to be right wingers like go to thing is that oh it's it's sexual it's harming children it's like it's such bullshit because every single time that a right winger is exposed as like Hey, look, you know, uh, Madison Hawthorne or whatever, Bill Lee, uh, or Rudy fucking Giuliani, you know, (laughs) dressed in drag. They always come back and be like, oh, that was just a joke. Like, shut the fuck up. This is not a a political podcast, but like, shut the fuck up, those people. Hey, it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be political to say that. Shut the fuck up. Um, Anyway, yeah, Daniel's. Um, who, fun fact, both individually have more Oscars than Quentin Tarantino. Woo! <laughs> and I want to just get ahead of it. Um, next time Daniels make a film, everyone not, is now going to yeah. predict them. And they they're not going to get nominated. They're never going to get nominated again. <laughs> Like, well, I was I was telling George this. I think they're gonna go the Jordan Peele route, where like, I think yeah, their movies that's are always gonna make a splash. But I think because they're so genre oriented, they're more gonna make a splash in the box terms office. of like the box office. Yeah, and they are gonna make like a lot of year end lists. But I think outside of maybe like a screenplay nomination, I I and maybe below the line stuff, I don't think they're gonna be making another picture contender this well, was lightning in a bottle part of um what i was saying earlier applies here which is that they look for things that are fresh and original and new that they've never seen before and they've seen everything ever all at once and so you know unless the daniels make something that is undoubtedly clearly leagues above this film unless it's you know unless it clearly um basically for everyone is the clear better film i don't think they'll ever have the same level of oscar success they might get a nomination here and there but like okay you know, but how is that gonna this happen? one did how so is well. the movie gonna come out that's clearly better than everything everywhere all at once no yeah. and it won't the same way that with jordan peele uh, I don't think that he'll ever get nominated for picture again. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's going to keep making great movies. Same thing with they're Bong not going to capture the same lightning same in a bottle. Like, oh yeah, Bong exactly. Jin-ho. Yeah. I mean, like we, we, Mickey. We... What is it called? Mickey Five. Mickey Seventeen. Mickey Seven. Mickey Seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, that's not gonna. That's not an Oscar contender. Well, I'm hyped for it, like, but it's not, not gonna be an Oscar contender. No, and, the thing with these his movies is they became be amazing. So yeah. it doesn't matter. 
yeah. the thing with these filmmakers is that they became Oscar successes despite not trying to be Oscar successes. Exactly. And they're never going to try to be an Oscar success, which means that they're never going to end up in the conversation unless they make a film that's just that original and different and um and that, that like good. you just can't look away from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's always going to be that good though. It just it has to be unique enough that mm -hmm. like the academy can't ignore it. Yeah. Then again, look at uh, Greta Gerwig. I don't think she made Lady Bird thinking that was going to get a lot of Oscars no. and then I know Little Women is more of like an an Oscar type thing, but she she may go on and uh, be three for three with Barbie. So you well, never she know. Won't she, she won't. Be, whatever. <laughs> she won't. Yeah, be. she won't I, be. I don't know. I look, never okay, ever. look, Tristan. I, I think that Tristan, movie will I made at a least bet get with somebody some that if Barbie's the best picture contender, I have to give them 10 bucks. So for my sake, because I'm cheap, <laughs> um, let's, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to hope that doesn't happen. Anyway. Um, I mean, it's kind of like um, <laughs> how before Black Klansman, oh, they're never going to nominate a Spike Lee movie for Best Picture, you know? Like, Spike Lee is just too much for the Academy. And then they nominate Black Klansman, and then a couple years later, everyone's like, oh, Defy Bloods, that has to be an Oscar contender. I mean, look how, look how much they love Black Klansman. So it has to be a contender. And, you know, I, I, I feel like that's what's going to happen with Yorgos Lanthimos, too. Like, before The Favor came out, oh, Yorgos Lanthimos' movies are way too weird for the Academy. There's no way that they would ever go, like, nominate The Favor for um, Best Picture. And then the movie gets 10 nominations and Olivia Colman wins. And now with Poor Yorgos? Things, with Poor Things, everyone's like, oh, Poor Things has to get nominated for Best Picture. Look how much they love The Favorite. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I agree like with you. I, I don't. I don't think Poor Things is getting in, no, um, but I I wouldn't be surprised if he has another awards contender just because of a lot of like actors who he hangs around. Those are people who often always get nominated, and I think that's one thing to escape this like one time only Oscar thing is if you continuously cast actors who are going to be in the Oscar conversation, then that's going to propel your movie into it, um, and. I, I see the Daniels being kind of like Jordan Peele, always trying to discover new talent, whereas someone like Yorgos is going to, you know, seek people like Emma Stone and um, Willem Dafoe and already established actors. So Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, I think Colin Farrell's next nomination and maybe a win could come from a Yorgos film. We'd have to yeah. see. Honestly, I think that the, the thing that's key with these types of directors is that you have to look for a film where they're reinventing themselves or trying something different than they did last time. Um, and like, it's also just like, what is the studio backing? Who are the stars? Um, like early in the year, I did a video where I was talking about how uh, just because someone got nominated last time doesn't mean that they're gonna break through this time. And in that video, my example was just because three billboards happen doesn't mean Banshees will be a contender, right? And so it does happen sometimes. And mm -hmm. I maintain that like whatever Martin McDonough does next, it might not be a best picture contender or maybe right. it will be. And I feel the same thing about Yorgos and I would feel the same thing about Daniels, but you know, you can't just say, Oh, they liked their style last time because that's the thing with the Academy is they don't like doing the same thing multiple times. They like evolving. They like finding things that are fresh, 
different, mm -hmm. unique, never exactly. seen before. Um, so yeah, you need to see something when when a director that they have liked in the past is doing something completely completely fresh and different and new. That's when you should take notice. And, and it's not just the academy; yeah. it's like the the conversation in general. Like the academy reflects what movies are being talked about by the industry and by audiences and by critics and like if you know all of those groups aren't propelling um these directors and films up in the same degree to as their last film then the academy is not going to get on board so it's, it really depends like if the daniels managed to make a movie that really breaks into the cultural zeitgeist again and does like you said matt reinvent the wheel then i think that they could definitely have another oscar success story but i don't think it will reach the level of this because they reached unprecedented levels with everything everywhere and this i think is going to go down as one of the greatest movies of all time honestly one yeah. of the biggest oscar successes and it, it's a classic at this point um and it only came out a year ago and most films aren't able to reach that classic status in that short amount of time but films like parasite and now uh, everything everywhere have so it's mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for for bong and for the daniels to um follow that up mm -hmm. and i'm also going to say kind of to add on to this this is the same reason that i have doubts about saltburn because yes yes emerald yeah. fin emerald Fennell, like promising a woman was 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 very big but in but like that, of course. I mean, in Saltburn could be very different from Promising a Woman. It's shaping up to be different, sure. But like, that doesn't mean that still doesn't guarantee that she's going to be that this is going to be her Banshees of an Sharon, or it's going to be yeah. her her Little Women. I'm kind of thinking like if yeah. because people compared Promising a Woman to Get Out for obvious reasons. If we're going to keep in that comparison, then this is her Us, and then yeah. the next movie is yeah. going to be her yeah. Nope. Um, I mean, uh, look, it, every, it's my second most anticipated uh, movie of the year. I am, I'm going to be there day fucking one, but yeah. What's your first? Uh, Dune Part 2. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. um, look, for every, um, for every Little Women or Vice or, um, oh God, what's, what's another, um, oh, and she's. Banshees, Banshees. For every one of these, there's a uh, a the sun. Oh my <laughs> god! There's... Oh my god! What, what do you guys think is going to be the sun or the bardo of this year? Where maestro, 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 maestro. maestro. absolutely maestro. 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 Oh, oh I, I, I already know people who've seen it. Yeah, I, I do too. Guys. It's a Leonard Bernstein documentary, though. I oh, sorry, not biopic. So yeah, like, but apparently so even if Harry it's Mulligan, great... Harry Mulligan is playing a Latina, so I'm immediately oh. against this movie. Well, it's Thanks. like apparently, I mean, from what I've heard, quite boring. Oh, wow. <laughs> I really like A Star Is Born. That makes me sad. Okay, no, I, I mean, really I liked the father, father too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The same I, there you go. There you have it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I think that. Maestro is going to play like House of Gucci. It's going to be in the conversation for acting all year long. It's going to get a makeup nomination and it's going to go nowhere else. Yep. But one thing that gives me a bit of faith is, is it has Netflix behind it. 
And they and don't that, often if, go for like well, House of Gucci yeah, type. Well, and if blonde, when, blonde, yeah, got blonde. Nominated. Also, if yeah, Netflix picks up like, May December, you can you can drop Maestro immediately. <laughs> if they yeah, do, yeah. I'm definitely dropping Maestro. I mean, maybe I should just go with Rustin instead. Yeah, you should go with Rustin. Yeah, go with Rustin because Coleman Domingo's stronger. George C. Wolf almost got nominated last time. Um, you know, you could also go with uh, like uh, Niad or Niad. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, you guys! I'm so excited for this. I don't uh, we know, all know why. Know me, we all know why. Yeah, I'm with you, me, Sam. You, you know that I have been wanting a net betting to win an Oscar for my entire life. And yeah. there's no like early contender for a best actress win. Fantasia. Like, but no one's saying that. There's Fantasia and then there's I'm uh that. oh <laughs> who's the other one for Long Day Journey into Night? Jessica Lang. Uh Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang, yeah. I think she could be a Good contender. Lord. <laughs> I love Jessica Lang. I'm Three sorry. Three Oscars for great. Jessica Lang. Could you fucking for imagine? All- and none of them would be would were like her. She should have uh, won for Francis. She's so good in that movie. No, she should not have. Oh wait, no, no, no. She was up against. Never mind. She was up against. Uh, yeah, so no. no. <laughs> yeah. But but I really have a feeling that like if Nyad, she's playing the like, w- w- like a swimmer, right? Like. Yeah, yeah, and a real person. And though. and Jodie Foster is playing her wife in the movie. Yeah, and I had to be really good. Lee also with Kate Kate Winslet. That <gasps> one looks like it could be. Yes. Really oh yeah, that that'll be that'll be big. This will be a great conversation. But I really hope that like episode. Yeah, no, <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're talking more. Uh no, it's it, I I mean I'm I'm excited for that conversation. Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're almost at the end. Uh Halle Berry and Jessica Chastain come out and present the awards for Best Actor and Best Actress. And Best Actor goes to Brendan Fraser. Now, um, I'm going to take this time. Uh, Tristan, you were really pushing this whole thing um, pretty much all year. And I said, I was incredibly skeptical of the whale just all year. And I was incredibly skeptical of him. So I am taking this opportunity I'm going to say, Tristan, I am sorry for doubting the whale and doubting Brendan Fraser all year. And I am going to do the thing I always do when I make a shitty prediction. Well, there you go. thank you for that apology. I wasn't expecting, um, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, mean, I was expecting so, that because I've heard it maybe like eight times at this um, point. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you guys to Kyle Kalinsky, a political commentator on YouTube. That's where I got that from. Um, wow. Yeah. Anyway, Brendan Fraser, best um, actor. I don't care. Very happy about this. I'm I so have happy. to say, I am. So, I, this is gonna sound so mean. I am so happy that Austin Butler did not get on that stage with that stupid voice and say a (laughs) stupid speech that means nothing. I'm sorry, but that I I get that it's a Baz Luhrmann film, but there's so much editing in that movie that it detracts from his performance and you can't fully realize it emotionally at all because there's just too much going on. Brendan Fraser's performance is so much more 
complete to me. It doesn't feel like a montage. And I'm and I am so sorry if you hate the whale. I'm so sorry if you hate his performance. But seeing him win that is so much more like nice than Austin Butler, who I did predict just because of the best picture and BAFTA thing, but it never felt right to me. Like he doesn't have a body of work behind him. He doesn't have any sort of he has iCarly. Even if he he okay. He does. And he has Zoe 101. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. Even if he does even if he does become a star, it'll look weird because Elvis is a sugar high. The whale yeah. is a divisive movie. It's been a divisive movie from the start. The people who hate it, I think, will continue to hate it. And the people like who me. love it and love his win will continue to love it in in the year from now, in five years from now, Elvis will fade completely. It was a total of the moment thing, and it will have no cultural significance after a certain amount of time. I mean, again, I I agree with you. I'm glad that Butler didn't win, but, you know, I won, but at what cost? But Frazier is like such a nice guy and he's got such a great story. And even if you don't like the movie, what he did with that material is incredible. And like, just like, I think he's also held back through his eyes in some ways, too. I don't know. I think he's just, he's, he's, been such a force this season and it's been so nice to see him in interviews and just getting back out there as an actor and I don't know if you'll ever get this opportunity again and it was such a brave performance like in terms of like what he was tackling um I don't know I I just like because if you compare it to like what he was doing before it's such a shift and um I, I don't know if he's going to be in a role like this again uh it's just nice to see him up there because he's just a genuinely good person. And right. It was a great performance. I mean, it's, it's, it's just another one of those things where it's like, I mean, again, Butler and Frazier were my bottom two in the category personally. Like I just did not care if Colin Farrell or Paul Meskel had been more in the contention to win. I would care more about Frazier winning. I would be more upset. About they it. weren't. So... We... And they were not. Hold up. You think Bill and I gave a better performance than Brendan Fraser? Yes. I do. Oh my gosh. They're close, but I'm not going to go that far because Bill Nye spends about half of that movie in the grave. <laughs> yeah. You know, like literally his screen time is 45 It's Akiru, so like... Yeah, it's Akiru. Yeah, it is. Wait, Wait like, no, this you need to have You feel his minutes. presence. Yeah, yeah you, you do. do. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like Viola Davis and Ma Rainey. In a way, but like whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So what? What I'll say on this is like, Brendan Fraser deserved it. Um, one of you said it. I Tristan, I think it was you. Like we don't know if he's ever gonna get another role that will show off his stuff like this. Like he's been very clear in interviews all year that like he doesn't think he'll have a chance to do this again. You know, he's been saying, "I'm gonna give this all I got," and that's what I did. I I gave it everything that I have. Whereas with Austin Butler, Sam, I agree with you. Like, the editing of that movie, the way it flows, you never get to see him act in a scene. It's right. just, like, moment after moment. And I feel like the impression is good, but I didn't get to see any inner life of that character exactly. at all. Because, like, it's just so shrouded. 
Right. Like, it's just so shrouded in how fast it moves, and it does a disservice to his performance. I'm sure he's doing great work, but, like, you don't see it because it's so, like, hidden behind how fast-paced the movie is and how, like, we never get to sit with him for a moment. But one thing I will disagree with you on, Sam, is that I think that Austin Butler is, like, a genuinely good guy. Uh, And that's something that I I saw through... No, I, something I saw through award season is like at the SAG Awards, I thought it was so sweet, like watching him sit in front of the stage and help every single person that was going up to win an award. Like he was, that was just like, he just seems like a stand up guy. He seems like the nicest guy in any room. He's going to have more chances and they're going to be for better roles in better films than Elvis. Yeah, like, like, even for the bike riders. Him, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. call him like stupid in that sense. I don't like the voice. I just find it annoying. But he does seem like a really nice person. It's just a lot. Of I the... hope he gets over the voice. God damn. I, I just a lot of the campaign felt very manufactured and not genuine. And my, here's here's my takeaway from this win. Because after Fraser won, I was like, huh, that best picture stat broke. How did it break for him? And he still managed to win. But it didn't work for Glenn Close or Chadwick Boseman. The answer is simple. People liked Brendan Fraser's performance more than they liked Austin Butler's. People liked mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman's performance more than Glenn Close's. People and also didn't people watch like Anthony Hopkins' performance more than Chadwick Boseman's. It in this case, it, with those two cases with Hopkins and Coleman, we knew that they liked the movie better. But here they just liked the performance more. I think that was the ultimate. Obviously, he had the narrative and Butler didn't. But by those two wins, they don't care about narratives recently. Not nearly as much as they used. I think it also comes down to momentum in a lot of ways. Because, of course, like SAG was last this year. And before the ceremony, we didn't really know how that was going to look. But... When we get into this next, as we get into the next category, I was rewatching the Oscar experts' predictions from last year, 2021, you know, the CODA year. And when he was talking about CODA and Best Picture, he said, when momentum shifts in the race, the Academy usually follows it. They follow the momentum. They follow the right. wind. Um, and that's what ultimately got coded the win. It's ultimately what got Hopkins the win. It's what got Parasite um, the best picture win. Um, and, you know, it's other things. It, it's what causes all of these upsets. Coleman. Um, uh, Casey Affleck, you know um these these you know other things these upsets because momentum shifts it really feels like the momentum is on was it 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 didn't necessarily feel as as strongly to me with fraser but the momentum was on brendan fraser's side with this one and i think that's ultimately the big thing reason why he won it's also the big reason why jamie lee curtis won she had the momentum after SAG and I think that's ultimately 
in large part what led her to 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 winning. And we say a lot, oh, speeches don't matter. Speeches, you know, like it doesn't matter if you give a, if 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 someone gives a good speech. But really, the speeches themselves might not matter as much as it the person themselves matter in like momentum it feels like oh it feels cool to give this performance the win it feels good to vote for this movie this 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 performance and <clears throat> i mean really that's why BAFTA went zero for eight above the line. Because if BAFTA had been after SAG, then Carrie Condon probably could have won. We could have seen Austin Butler winning in that scenario. And we might have seen Kate Blanchett win too. Um, I think he probably still would have won no matter what. Um because that was one where, it, it, like, even when Barry went BAFTA, it really did not feel like the momentum shifted over to Barry in any way. Um, it's momentum. I think momentum is what got is what got Frazier over the edge. Butler didn't have the momentum, and I don't necessarily care that much that the whale won makeup <laughs> and. Like, like that was obviously when we knew that Frazier was winning. But I think Frazier could have won without the movie winning makeup, personally. That's what I think it was. It was, it was, it was momentum. It was, yeah. Yeah, no disagreements there. And then for Best Actress, I mean, this was the one. I, when it came up, I was like, I hope for Sam's sake that it's Michelle Yeoh. Because, I mean, look, my birthday was the day that Oscar voting opened up, March 2nd. Um, And when I woke up, the first thing I saw was a DM from Sam saying, I hope you wish for Michelle Yeoh winning for your birthday. (laughs) And I, 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 I mean, I was... I had felt that Michelle was going to win. And that was the argument that really convinced me. I was like, oh, she's going to win. And then, you know, you saw Jamie Lee won. You saw everything everywhere pick up all the wins it was expected to get. But then at the end of the day, I was like, I could still see a scenario where where we're expecting Kate to win. And then it's just Michelle Yeoh. Or, or no. <laughs> what the fuck am I saying? It's a scenario where we expect Michelle to win, but then it's Kate. Um, but then, of course, they announced that it was indeed Michelle Yeoh. And I think even more than everything everywhere in picture, even more than Key Hui Kwan supporting actor, this was the biggest standing ovation of the entire night. Oh, absolutely. Because like I've watched her speech more than once. People everyone quickly jumped to their feet to applaud her. Paul Meskel 
was sitting right behind her and he looked like stoked that she had won um sam you know okay. you said you said before andrea riseborough's reaction to her winning like like you could just mm -hmm. tell how happy she was that michelle had won and ana de armas too yeah ana de armas um and her reaction at sag also yeah mm -hmm. i was really nervous that there was a world that jamie lee curtis would win and michelle yo would lose i was so like that would be i didn't really believe horrible. that <laughs> to be honest i didn't really think no i didn't believe happen. it either but i i was worried about the possibility there something really interesting here this year was the opposite of um of 2020 because in 2020 we saw the two wins that seemed like well at least the one win because there was no clear front runner in actress but in actor there was a race between the win that felt really good to vote for with chadwick boseman uh and then there was anthony hopkins and you saw a lot of people in their anonymous ballots say oh well chadwick boseman's going to win but i'm voting for my favorite anthony hopkins and i was worried this year that the same thing would happen between michelle oh. yo and kate blanchett and Kate, uh, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is personally, like, my favorite in the category. Oh, yeah. I think that she's the best in the category. Um, I mean, she's flexing every single muscle she has ever shown in any of her films in this. And that's why, like, she's just, it is the best work that she has done. It is the best work of the year, in my mind. It's incredible. But I saw so many people, even people who love everything ever all at once, much more than Tar, say that Kate Blanchett was the best performance of the year and i was so worried that we were going to have um you know a, a a split happen where a lot of people just you know would say that they want michelle yo to win but would vote for kate blanchett and i'm so glad that didn't happen well i, I am also too because on the subject of in anonymous ballots a lot of those people said like there were tar voters who voted for like Todd Field and director and voted for Michelle and actress. And yeah, there were also a non-voters who said, I don't like that movie, but I love her. So I think what happened was, unfortunately, the Academy is very misogynistic. And they watched Tar and said, oh, I don't like that character. I'm not voting for that. These are the same people voted for Joaquin Phoenix, Daniel Day-Lewis, Ephraim Abraham. Well, yeah. he's not really the same vote, but like they vote for all these men in these deeply flawed, unsympathetic characters. But when it comes to a woman, they're like, oh no, I'm not voting for that. Normally, I would be very upset with that. But in this case, it benefited Michelle Yeoh. So I was not upset with it because we got to witness a win of our lifetime. This was the win of the year because normally the way these Hollywood systems work, the way the best picture and the the other awards it wins, it's usually that they give people of color the supporting awards mm -hmm. and really never give people of color the leading ones. And this just completely like debunked that because you saw so many people who were 
by the way, like the whole thing about Kate Blanchett being objectively better than Michelle Yeoh pissed me the fuck off. I adore mm-hmm. that film. Exactly. I adore the performance dearly. But one, Isabelle Huppert could have played that role in her sleep. Let's not let's not kid ourselves there. <laughs> <laughs> and two, she's gonna have a role like that again, and she has. This is the only time that Michelle Yeoh will ever get something like this. It is, as you said, Matt, everything she's ever had as an actor and as a human being into one role. And it's so dynamic that I am floored with it. And also, like, this idea that emotionally driven performances, ones that make you cry, are less impressive than, like, what Kate Blanchett is doing is bullshit. such bullshit. Like, if someone is able to make you cry and really make you feel and connect with the character, that is equally, if not more impressive than, like... How many people said that about Frasier? There you go. Everyone. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't like Austin's performance was viewed in the same way as Blanchett. But no. I'm just glad that Blanchett also didn't win because... She has a lot of Stan accounts on Twitter, as you could imagine, many of which have been hard to Michelle the entire year. There is, There was one person who said that nobody knew who Michelle Yeoh even was before Everything Everywhere. There which was is not many, true. Many people, many people saying that Michelle Yeoh would only win because she's Asian, which if that's really also your reasoning, then how come, she, how come she's the first nominee? Like... Wh- People How come so she's only the second woman of color to win, period? Exactly. Like, this, it, it was a whole thing, and seeing her win just felt so... It, it was nice that Kate didn't win, because even though they have technically nothing to do with each other, it would have given those people validation. Um, I'm putting an image in the chat that I think is just absolutely beautiful. But um, I, I, I just, I, I'm really happy about this. I've seen every Best Actress winning performance, and she is my number six. I think it is an all-timer. Her speech, very composed. I have to say, she really didn't, like, it wasn't a totally emotional speech like I thought it was going to be. She was very collected. Um, But yeah, it was great. And I loved watching the reaction of her mom winning, um, her mom seeing her win. And yeah, just like the auditorium, there was a vibe in there and it really went with her. What a historic moment. I'm so happy to have witnessed this. And not only was it like the the first Asian woman to win uh, Best Actress, but it's also nice that like women of a certain age are now uh, getting roles like this and winning Oscars for these. Because like 20 years ago, um, once an actress got to a certain age, they weren't getting these kinds of roles and nowadays it feels like um you know we're getting a lot of interesting older female characters and male characters um that um are not only like not only older people can connect to but also um are in films that younger people are connecting to as well so i I think that's really great Mm -hmm. yeah there was um there was an account on reddit that kept doing like for a while it was like a daily countdown of like x amount of days until kate wins her third oscar and man they got really quiet in the past couple of weeks <laughs> like really quiet 
but for so long the amount of arguments that i got into where someone once told me that um because i said i preferred michelle yo uh to some of the other best actress contenders i must not have seen many movies last year <laughs> like they're like oh just because like because you say that you think michelle yo is the best of the year that means you must not have seen any of the other movies i'm like no yeah. Just look I've at the, seen, look at the like, image I put in the chat. It's the same thing. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I saw that. It's it's perfect because it's just like the cockiness of these people. Like, Kate Blanchett's work was incredibly impressive, but like, no one wanted Kate Blanchett to win more than those obnoxious stands. And like, you hear people say, oh my god, everything ever all at once stands are so toxic. Like, Dear Lord, look at Kate Blanchett Twitter. Like, look oh at my gosh, that Stan Twitter. It's awful. It's awful. And like the the amount of attacks. But yeah, like, it, I mean, I hate all the arguments where people said, "Oh, Kate Blanchett's objectively better." Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, just because like she learned another language and played music for the role, like that Shall doesn't Yo mean spoke several languages too. What? Yeah, Michelle yeah. Yeoh spoke several languages and did ridiculous stunts and had the entire weight of having to portray a role in which she had to uh, relay complex science fiction ideas in a way that's accessible and made sense. And like she had to be, God, she played like so many different versions of the same character and had to keep track of all of that. Like her work was as technically impressive as Kate Blanchett's, but the reason why people will say Kate Blanchett is objectively better is I would say inherently um dismissive of not just dismissive of uh an Asian woman in this role, but also dismissive of the entire genre and saying that because Kate Blanchett did like XYZ for a drama film then that is just more impressive than like someone having to do stunt work, having to do comedy, drama, all of these different things in one role. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like it, it's also incredibly dismissive of um an Asian woman who is speaking multiple languages in it to say, oh, well, Kate had to speak multiple languages. Like, okay, so we're it's the same kind of thing that like uh an immigrant worker speaking multiple languages is like looked down on where like an, an upper class white person speaking multiple languages is a genius right. um it's the same thing and these people don't think they're being racist they're like oh i just i just prefer her performance and you're not racist if you just prefer her performance obviously but it's what you no. say about it that raises a lot of questions mm -hmm. it's not the people who dislike everything everywhere not simply dislike it. They must actively diminish the movie until they feel that they've exaggerated an opinion that they have because of their anger towards the fact that they are seeing a movie that they didn't enjoy win awards over movies that they did. Well, it's so crazy to me that like I, I've seen so many more people complaining about how awful everything ever all at once stands are then i've seen everything ever all at once stands being annoying about the fact that the film's winning yeah like people will For just real. bitch and moan and complain about how awful everything ever all at once stands are 
but I see more people moaning and complaining about everything or everywhere all at once stands being awful than I do see everything ever all at once stands being awful. Exactly. I, I think the reason people are so upset about everything everywhere dominating is because it, it represents like a shift in not only the Oscars, but like filmmaking as a whole and what films are considered prestige films and everything that like, I'm, I'm not going to say older, um, cinephiles but cinephiles who are drawn to like you know um the films of like scorsese and stuff from the 70s the 80s the 90s um the the films that they love and and were considered prestige films are not getting honored in the same way as you know these movies that are are now more what's the word i guess like creative and and just different and are taking risks and everything that people know is now, you know, not getting the same attention. So I think it's, it's representing like a shift that people are like afraid of. Mm -hmm. I think also when a movie is as beloved as everything ever all at once, when you don't get something like that and everyone else obsesses over it, you have to come up with a reason as to why everyone else is wrong. Like, yeah, just to justify, (laughs) you can't just leave it at, like well i guess i just didn't get it you have to like it it ends up becoming really annoying when you feel like you just don't get it that's how i had to kind of accept the elvis thing i just had to kind of accept mm -hmm. boz lerman is an acquired taste and it's a taste that i am just unable to acquire and some people just can't get that and i think that when a film that you just don't get is so tremendously popular as everything ever all at once it makes you angry like it makes you really yeah, angry I can see I, that. i've had that in the past with like um with green book like i the more love that that movie got the more angry i was about that movie getting the love over roma because i was like it just i just sat there going i just don't get what these voters are seeing in this and mm-hmm. to have something like Roma in the category, like we we've all I think we've all been on the other end. It's just that with everything ever all at once, it's so fractured because so many people online really do love it that I don't know. There there's just so much fighting over this movie, mm-hmm. and I do think it's just because people can't be secure with their opinion. And. <clears throat> I mean, with Best Actress in particular, Best Actress every year is always a fucking mess, in part because of the stands of the actresses involved. I remember 2020. Carrie Mulligan stands and Viola Davis stands, like, that shit was so bad, it was World War V. They had to skip three and four. <laughs> because It was that bad. <laughs> And I, I unfortunately contributed to some of it, and I very much regret it, um, because, I mean, it's it, it's just a really it's just really nasty, and the Kate stand the Kate Blanchett stands versus Michelle Yeoh stands felt kind of like an extension of that, <laughs> and yeah. it, I'm just sitting it here was nasty fighting. Oh yeah. I'm just sitting here like, look, both of these ladies 
are Oscar worthy. They're both maybe the two best performances of the entire year. Like of the decade. Yeah, I think so. Well, I don't know if I would say of the decade, but yeah. Um, Wait, are, are we are we no. just counting like best actress or performances in general? I'm talking. Like act- I was talking actress specifically, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're the two best of the decade. Here's the thing. <laughs> um, there is still this very persistent lie amongst people, even amongst Kate Blanchett stands, that the Oscars are a meritocracy. They are not. They are not, and they never have been. Um, they're always political. They're always going to consider things outside of the performance. And um, there's always going to be external factors. Like, do they like the person? Do they like their movie? You know, what do they think? It's like, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis. Does anyone really think that Jamie Lee Curtis gave the best supporting actress performance of the year? I don't. I, she's my favorite of the nominees. I am certain that like 75% of the voters that picked Jamie Lee Curtis do think that she was the best in that category. Okay. And 25% sure. were probably just voting for narrative. Okay, sure. But like, I mean, there's other performances, like Oscar winning performances that we kind of view as terrible. That like, we, we could sit here and say, like, sure, the voters might have preferred them, but that's not the only reason why they won. Like, the only times, like, there are times where like someone gets nominated or someone wins based solely on the performance. Like when Brian Tyree Henry got it for cosplay, I cannot think of any other reason as to why he got nominated other than his performance was just that good and needed to be nominated. Because if they were doing that every year, why wasn't Robert De Niro nominated for the Irishman? Why wasn't Delroy Lindo nominated for the five bloods? There's all kinds of external factors going on. And even if, like, let's say, even if it were truly a meritocracy, it's like you guys were saying, this idea that Michelle Yeoh, her winning is only based on narrative, the fact that she would be the first Asian to win, it's, it's, it's bullshit because she does deserve it and she does do a lot with her role. And, you know, it's fine to her Kate Blanchett, obviously, but to say that Michelle Yeoh does not deserve it, doesn't give a worthy performance, like, and just Kate is just objectively the better performance, like, I'm sorry, but, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to just raise one thing, which is um, there was, uh, on the topic of, uh, of toxic stands fighting, there were some horrible people on Reddit. I, I'm coming more from, I know, Sam, you're more on uh, film Twitter. I'm much more on, like, Oscar race Reddit. 
there was this one person who kept posting about how he just couldn't wait to see Michelle Yeoh cry when she lost the Oscar. And he said he wanted to kick, uh, he's, yeah, he said he wanted to kick Daniel Kwan in the teeth. Um, and uh, the best redemption arc of the season is this person after months and months and months of talking about how much he like on a personal level hated Michelle Yeoh and uh, the the Daniels for everything ever all at once. Um, the redemption arc was that he gave everything ever all at once another chance. And he was like, actually, I discovered I really like the movie and now I want Michelle Yeoh to win. And um, the entire <laughs> rest of the season after like, literally it was like the SAG awards uh, no, it, I think it was after the BAFTAs. He was like, amazing. I, I'm so happy that Michelle Yeoh lost. I can't wait for her to cry at the Oscars. And everyone being like, what the fuck, dude? You have like personal issues um, for this person to turn around and become a fan of everything or all at once and like have some very reasonable <laughs> opinions uh, was very mm -hmm. funny. That was a very uh, good turnaround. And I think it's a lot of these stands, if they took a step back and stopped treating award season like a a, a a rivalry between two competing sports teams and instead just viewed you know two performers who are giving their all in extremely different ways i think everyone would be a lot happier if we all just dropped the the tribal mentality of it all yeah mm -hmm. it, it's it's that way in film it's in the award season it's that way it's sports it's that way in politics yeah just yeah no, but it's, it's so different in sports because with the sport everyone starts in the same place and knows where the finish line is there's mm -hmm. going to be one person who wins and they win a trophy for that mm -hmm. acting and you can measure like it that. right like acting isn't like that yeah i mean i, I it's but just it's that's that's an issue that, so. is that a lot of like weird nerds online like can't get it in their head that film is not objective and so you get a bunch of like snyder geeks being like my what i like has to objectively be the best mm -hmm. because i can't understand that there is such a thing as subjectivity and i need to prove to everyone else that what i like is superior to what they like because you know everything else can be measured you know your favorite sports team you can measure their success but with acting, it truly is just opinions. But people can't accept that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, <laughs> this is why I did band instead of sports people. Well, not really, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Michelle Yeoh, icon, queen, um, people who hate her win, kindly um, fuck off and go dig a hole and live in that hole for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. it's one um, of the best oscar wins of all time oh, oh i yeah i and incredible i'll be honest myself i i mean when i i saw tar twice i loved it twice and i love kate's performance obviously i said i, I think when i the first time i said i i saw the movie i said yeah that's probably the best performance of the year and I think I was, I, I kind of held to that opinion after my second viewing even, which was after the nominations. But let me tell you, the day before the Oscars, I watched everything everywhere for a fourth time. And I started to think, shit, 
Michelle might be my preference. <laughs> no. Like I right. might I, I might switch to Michelle now because I just I I I, I her her scene, of course, being um I will always want to be here with you. That was always her scene. But the scene where she stands up to Gong Gong, oh my god. <laughs> Oh Tears. yeah, I mean the way she says "girlfriend" in Cantonese, she says it like so firmly. It's amazing. Yeah. And then finally, oh, go ahead, Sam. Oh no, I was gonna say something about her win, but it doesn't matter. I, I've said oh, you can you enough. can say it real quick, and then I'll and then and then we. Can I I forgot what I was going to say. Oh okay, Sam, this is your moment. No, I know. Well, the thing is that, like, never who I ever want to win actually wins Best Actress. Like, I had to suffer through three years where my fourth or fifth choice in the lineup won the Oscar. And it was miserable. So it has just been so nice to finally have someone who I actually wanted to win get it. I think just you know, doesn't happen. The losses for Carrie and Penelope, particularly, who were the ones that stung you. I'm sorry, yeah, Sam. I'm still on the Francis train. And you need to dig a oh, hole. Boy. Dig a hole with the cave. Oh, you know so good. She was can so good. Can can don't dig a hole with the cave. Okay, can we all at least agree that Michelle Yeoh is like by far the best performance to win yeah. this decade? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, yeah. And she would beat like in, in that any year category too. in all four. Imagine, like, imagine if everything ever came out um, in twenty twenty, Michelle in, would sway. Any category, it's yeah. it's close between Anthony Hopkins and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, they're both all timers. Yeah, they are. And then third and fourth for me would be um, Key and and Francis. <laughs> <laughs> Dig a hole, Tristan. Dig a hole. I love Nomadland. It's just so good in it. Daniel Kaluuya, though, over, oh, over Francis. Yeah, actually, you're right. Okay, Francis top five, though. Mm-hmm. She, for me, oh, Riz Ahmed, though. For me, in the in terms of winning performances, Francis McDormand is in the top 12 of this decade so far. No. <laughs> top 12. Anyway. Yikes. Best picture. Harrison Ford comes out to present it to... Yeah, you guessed it. Everything ever all at once. What, did you think it was going to be Morbius? Um... Triangle of Sadness, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, same. Well, I, I can say that Jimmy Kimmel definitely lost his Oscar pool with his bold prediction at the start of the show that All Quiet was going to win. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, that was so random. What if no, it, it actually ended a... up winning? It was such a... I mean, I feel like if it did win, he'd be investigated over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like... That's why, he, if he was going to make that joke, he should have made that joke about something that had absolutely no chance. Like, something not nominated. Yeah, or like Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Either Triangle of Sadness, or Morbius. <laughs> Morbin time, baby. I mean, okay, we, we've said everything we can say about this film and this Best Picture win, like, you know... Um, one of the best best picture winners, truly. I really do truly believe it will go down, along with movies like The Godfather, Amadeus. Um, you know, All About Eve is like some of the greatest best picture winners of all time. 
And I just think that it's awesome that all those movies I mentioned before can be on the same list of Oscar winning films as a film in which <laughs> that features a scene where a security guard cannonballs onto a butt plug. <laughs> Well, you can't forget that that scene also happened in Driving Miss Daisy. Right. Wait, yeah. what? No, no. Just... Oh. It's it's the second oh. film to uh, to include butt plugs after Driving Miss Daisy. Did you guys know that did you guys know that um Cimarron from 1931 actually includes a scene where Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh play lesbians and play the piano with their toes? <laughs> Oh yeah, I sure remember that. that one. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very small part of the film too. <laughs> yeah, That's just so good. it was just a moment in there. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the movie no, and, dances and, with wolves. Um, uh, Kevin Costner. Um, <laughs> Kevin Costner becomes a rock with googly eyes, and he communicates telepathically right. with other rocks. Oh yeah, who who could forget that classic moment in Dances with Wolves? But yeah, nothing nothing will ever top the butt plug fight in Driving Miss Daisy. Right. So oh yeah, but I mean the googly eye part in uh, where Oliver Twist puts a googly eye on his forehead in the Best Picture winning film Oliver was pretty yeah, good too. Man, I mean everything ever all at once really is just so derivative. Right. <laughs> yeah. Really also, is. you can't forget about the part where, you know. Jobu Topaki bleeds and it turns out to be organic ketchup in West Side Story. That was yeah. just really <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do remember the organic ketchup when uh when oh god, I can't even remember the character's name from West Side Story when they like st stab each other there. Organic ketchup, right? <laughs> of course. It's... Oh my god um yeah i but i mean just to the point it's like this is if if not one of the best it's certainly one of the coolest and most inspired wins in this category ever absolutely it's, it's my favorite uh best picture winner it's Valid. it's i've seen them all and it's like in my top eight or seven like i think it's my number five of all of them sam what's uh, your what's your last place one though Oh, my last place is the greatest show on earth. Okay, because I would say there's no correct answer except the Broadway melody. See, when I was watching that movie, I was writing notes about it, like shitting on it, and I kind of had fun doing that. The greatest show uh, on earth is literally just, it's not really a movie. It's just watching circus acts. And Oh, yeah. No, I agree. The Fablemans did The Greatest Show on Earth better than The Greatest oh, Show on absolutely. Earth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of really bad Best Picture winners that any of these tweets saying that Everything Everywhere All at Once is like one of the worst Best Picture winners. I'd say you, you really they need to watch seen all of them. They haven't seen like 37. Cavalcade. <laughs> right. Like around the world in 80 days and, and also again like not only is it going to be one of the best best picture winners it's also going to be one of the best, best actress winners of all time like she's mm -hmm. going to be considered one of them ki hui kwan mm -hmm. is going to be considered one of the best supporting actor winners and jamie lee curtis, jamie lee gonna, curtis? She, everyone's gonna pretend she doesn't exist <laughs> that's mean she's no good. i i think i think that win will be looked back at fondly in the future um, 
Mm. Like I, I, I think know. I think down the road uh, okay. with enough separation from it. In a vacuum. To I think be fair, I don't that. think Carrie Condon's performance will be remembered. No, so, I don't think I any of the performances, except maybe Stephanie Sue's. Well, definitely Stephanie Sue. Yeah. yeah, that'll be the thing with this, is that people will look at that prize and go, oh, yeah, everything ever won supporting actress. That makes sense. And then they'll go, wait. Not Stephanie Hsu? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I think it'll it'll kind of depend on where Stephanie Hsu's career goes from here, though. Like, if she just kind of goes back to Broadway and doesn't have much more success in film, then I don't know if that's going to be the case. Well, Tristan, she does have season five for the Marvel's Mrs. Maisel coming up. <laughs> Don't forget about that. Oh, oh yeah, she is in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I Are remember I that? saw I was watching the movie and I and I was sitting here and I was like, she looks really familiar. Is that who I think it is? Same. And, it, and it was, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love the I first love three show. seasons. Season four I, was bad. Same. Yeah, I no, I, I agree with I couldn't that. stand season four. Um actually I would say. I am not a huge fan of season one or season four, but season two and three I thought are were spectacular. I love one and two. I like three. I really don't like four. Two is my favorite though. Yeah, two is the best. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, now that we got the best picture thing out of the way, our annual um, recap, wrap up, season episode tradition. Everyone has to has to say what their best prediction was all season, and also what oh, their worst the prediction answer. was was all season. I, I I um and I and I'm very tempted to say uh to to say not predicting everything everywhere. Do not say predicting everything everywhere to win best picture all year because uh, it's cheating. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay, I'm going last for this. Okay. Um, I guess I can go first then. Unless you want to go first, George. You can go first, Tristan. Um, if I can't say predicting everything everywhere for best picture, one that I was even more confident in and really locked in since I saw the movie, I'd say, which was I think probably in March of last year, was um I I was predicting Key to win as soon as I saw that and heard his story. I just thought that um that is such a great narrative. And I thought he was incredible, and it, it just felt like a winner to me. So I'm going to say that. Okay, for my best, I'm going to say the screenplay thing. Because I that that I just kind of knew, if that movie is going to contend for best picture, it's going to win screenplay. As far as my worst, I mean, um, I guess my, my first... Uh, Best Picture winner production being She Said. I mean, that's oh, a bit, wait. That was, we have to say we have to say worst. Yeah, yeah. we have to say our worst too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Backtracking. Also, I had women talking winning. Um, so the, the day I made my predictions the day after the Oscars last year, and I had women talking at number one. And then that ended up going on. Oh, I had that at number one for a time too. Like after Telluride. I had it like the beginning of last year. Um, but my worst was that um 
I had, I think I had Empire of Light getting 10 awards. <laughs> oh my god. I had like Michael Ward getting in. I had like, I had Toby Jones. Like I had, I was fully on board with Empire of Light. Oh my god. That was a yeah, movie. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um. Okay, so for my best that isn't uh, calling everything of all at once in May, uh, my best prediction has to be that the second I heard about women talking uh, a year and a half ago, because I, I first heard about it, um, I was out for a coffee with Sheila, and she was like, I just shot this movie, and it stars Frances McDormand and Rooney Mara and Jesse Buckley. And, you know, she was talking about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm predicting this for best picture. And so, like, calling that before people even knew it existed. I remember getting home from that coffee meeting and, like, texting the Discord and being like, you guys need to watch out for women talking. It's coming for everything. Um. And, I mean, admittedly, that didn't pan out with it being a, a huge contender, but just, like, calling a Best Picture player that I don't think was on anyone else's radar at that time was um, a pretty Incredible. good prediction. Yeah. As for, like, worst predictions, uh, I'm going to say it's a three-way tie between me on my YouTube channel saying um, Searchlight's main push is clearly Empire of Light, not Banshees. <laughs> uh as well as um my other bad predictions would be having don't worry darling in my top 10 for best picture for I remember like that. a goddamn while <laughs> I had that too um yeah and then the last one uh, I think it's just got to be the sun overall <laughs> yeah. everything to do with the sun that that actually might be a better answer for me yeah, I think every, I think that's everyone. Yeah, yeah Adam Bardo. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing is like on I like I did a whole episode on Oscar follow ups and how Oscar follow ups don't work out and how you have to be cautious of like predicting someone just because their last movie did well at the Oscars. And in that episode, I like literally used the example of there are some people that you can count on, like in year or two. <laughs> and Sam Mendes and like like these films are gonna they're gonna go on to do the thing that they're supposed to but like Banshees isn't and like you like Todd Field has a new movie but just because he got nominated in the past doesn't mean he's gonna get in and so like all of my examples there were just the worst examples possible and it still holds true like just because you get Oscar nominated for something doesn't mean you're going to again um but yeah I just I for some reason uh, picked all the wrong ones as being my examples. Well, I'm going to say just right now, the only two directors you, you, that you automatically have to consider no matter what are Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. And even, even Scorsese can miss, right? Even Silence Spielberg happened. can miss too. The BFG. Yeah. Well, Spielberg can miss if it's not designed for awards. Yeah. He has, I don't sure. think he's ever had a, a drama 
miss out on Oscars, but he does with like Ready Player One all the time. Well, yeah. catch me if you can, but that was like the five instead of ten. That's true. And it got other nominations. So And Silence yeah, came out. And he also had he, Silence he was came out with himself. really late. So you know, Silence could have done better if it were released earlier. Yeah. And Spielberg was competing with himself that year because he had Minority Report as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like, the only two that are safe are Spielberg and Scorsese. And even then, it's still risky to call them, like, lock this far out. And maybe Adam McKay. God. Right? I I mean, I think Adam McKay could... One uh, day he will miss. One day he will miss. Yeah. Um, I think he's just the zeitgeist yeah. now for like a large chunk of voters. All right. One day he won't be the zeitgeist. Yep. All right. Now let's hear from Sam. My worst for a really long time, I thought Dolly DeLeon was winning, which I had reasons behind it. I mean, like, I, she I seemed thought like it was the dog. Yeah. I doubt. Elvis until like literally the last second um and there was a point in time where I thought that Daniel Jimenez Cacho could like win (laughs) my best and I have people that you can text and ask if this is true Trevor and Tucker specifically I was the first person to predict Andrea Riseborough. I predicted her in December, and I got her odds in December. And that is by far my, my biggest flex ever, because I had seen celebrities post about this, and people just noticed late. I was like, I, I made a list in my phone, and there were like 50 names. And I didn't know if all of them were Academy voters. I didn't know if all of them were putting her at number one on their ballot. But you need 223 votes to secure a nomination. If about 45 people put her on number one on their ballot, that's a nomination. And I said, shit, this might fucking happen. So, yeah, I think that that kind of has to be my best prediction. Is, oh, that's yeah, amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and I was still, like, insanely shocked when it happened. Like, even though I had her on Gold Derby and I, like, said she was in my predictions, like, I didn't really believe that it was going to happen. Well, because it became a meme. Oh, it it is a meme. But, like, it would have, it went from being, like, a a wild card crazy prediction from you to being, like, oh, God, like, is this a joke or is this real? Mm -hmm. It was real. It was real. It, it was, sure was real. The first real. I took notice of of to Leslie was after the Indie Spirit nominations. Um, I I'd already heard of the movie and I wanted to watch it, but I started to notice in like comment sections on YouTube people being like, "Oh my God, to Leslie was so amazing!" Like uh, I think it was on an Oscar expert video. Someone was like, "You guys really should check out." to Leslie because Andrea Riseborough is just absolutely phenomenal and she would like deserve to be nominated even though it's like a long shot and I started to notice like a few comments like this on every video like people just saying check out Andrea Riseborough 
Yeah. And it just snowballed. It was wild. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And we may never forever. again. No, yeah, no. People are going to try and do it next year, and it's not going to work. Yeah, but the, the thing is, it only worked because she was the only one doing it. Right, and right? the category was so open. Like, literally, Kate and Michelle were the only people who were secure. Yeah, but, like, the thing is that if everyone is getting their celebrity friends to to post about them, then it's just going to get lost in a sea of nothing. Oh, yeah, like, it works because out. everyone, yeah, it'll all cancel out because it'll just be too much noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there we go, everybody. There we go. That is the recap of the 2023 20, Academy Awards. Oh, one Honestly, more thing. Very quick. Very quick. Five Best Picture nominees won zero Oscars, four of which were nominated for Best Director, one of which was Elvis and got eight nominations. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. That th- that th- is nuts. <sighs> All quiet room. Really I didn't was realize that director. four of the five. I had no idea that four out of five of the the non winners were the director nominees. That's crazy. like that's never happened ever. It's come close. That's nuts. It has come close. Yeah. Oh my god. But anyway. Yeah. Um... Anyways, though. Um. I mean with how long this episode is run like i don't know if it's so much a recap as much as like a like people could just go and watch the entire ceremony for like how long this talk <laughs> yeah. has been who knows i mean yeah it's probably longer than blade runner 2049 at this point um yeah we're we're like at oscar's length yeah so um anyway just you know be sure to check out the early 2024 predictions be sure to check out my uh everything everywhere haters cope compilation coming soon and oh, i uh, love that yeah we will see you guys next time and remember in another life i would love doing laundry taxes and oscar predictions with you this feels incredible Mom, I just want an Oscar. I just want an Oscar. You guys educated me, you inspired me, uh, and you taught me to be less of a butthead. I never thought of myself as a screenwriter or a storyteller. I never thought I was good enough. I have self-esteem problems. I have to thank all the people. Yes. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) thank you. Oh, God, guys. My imposter syndrome is uh, at an all-time high. Um, wow, this is, uh, uh, this is too much. This is my second film, y'all. This is crazy. Uh, our, our fellow nominees, you guys are our heroes. This is weird. Um, uh, this, we want to dedicate this to the mommies, all the mommies of the world, to our moms. Uh, specifically my mom and dad, Ken and Becky, thank you for not squashing my creativity when I was making really disturbing horror films or really perverted comedy films or dressing in drag as a kid, which is a threat to nobody. Uh... 
Uh, the world is opening up to the fact that uh, genius does not stem from individuals like us on stage, but rather genius emerges from the collective. We are all products of our context. We are all descendants of something and someone. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, <laughs> this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. But this is for my dad, who like so many immigrant parents, died young. And he is so proud of me, not because of this, but because we made this movie with what he taught me to do, which is no person is more important than profits. And no one is more important than anyone else. And these weirdos right here supported me in doing that. Wang Da Zhang, memory eternal. Who's Elvis. gonna win supporting actress? Oh, that's gonna be insane. Like actually insane. There's two people I think it could be. Harry Condon and Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis. I think even- Unless it's like a crazy Angela Bassett. No, 